Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here for episode number 72, the first episode of March, finally here on Monday, March 5th, 2018. I am Joe Morata, and that is still Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Uh, howdy doody. Nice to be with you. Spring's almost here. Yes. yes. Very springy. Very springy. Folks, thank you for springing into yet another episode of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, where we're going to romp through the world of retro wrestling, Michael. Yes, we are. We a romp. lot of romping. It's fun. We'll be yeah. romping through the springtime soon. Yeah. And before we get to any of our hot topics, if you will, uh-huh. a few things to remind you of. You can reach us on Twitter. Follow us there. If you haven't yet, at OVP Podcast, you can email us too at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is O. VP podcast at gmail.com but the one and only place to really get engaged get your hands dirty is our Facebook group Quinn yeah you can get it by uh, going to facebook.web.foot.rickflair <laughs> and over there you search our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast group shows up you hit join mm-hmm. and we'll approve you with no no strings attached yeah no know? funny business no funny business <laughs> and it's a great place you know we've been we've been saying lately the last few weeks that we are like the the statue of liberty if yeah. you will of rest of uh, wrestling groups you know tired no- sick and hungry yeah, <laughs> the whole bit no judgments you know come as you are as you were as we want you to be you know yeah <laughs> and uh have fun and just talk about whatever the hell you like whether you like ivan putzky or uh you know ivan drago or you know ludwig borga or shemp yes <laughs> we, we really we, don't mind we take shemp we take shemp people uh not Joe Besser, though. Yeah, Joe Besser. <laughs> and uh, you might have found us, perhaps, on SoundCloud. I know some people have, and they do listen there. We post links to it uh, on our Twitter and stuff like that. But it's not the the place we would recommend listening to us. Quinn, what are some recommendations, if you will? You can go to Apple Podcast, which is the uh, premier vendor, I guess, of our podcast. Yes, um, it is. Over there, you can leave a review. Five stars, please. please. Even if it's bad, say five stars. <laughs> Um, you can also subscribe, and then the podcast will zap into your uh, phone computer duty there. And there's also other places, too. Yes, there are. There's uh, Google Play Music, mm-hmm. Stitcher, mm-hmm. FM Player. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Uh, um, Auto. Auto Radio. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Auto Radio. It's been avoiding it, because I keep saying that. <laughs> That's actually me trying to trick Gorilla every week. <laughs> I, it, I it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. It is a whole I, thing. I got going on there. Uh, another thing that you can do if you really like the show is you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast and you can donate to us if you wish. And there's some cool rewards, Quinn. Yeah. So over there at the uh, Patreon, we have three different tiers. There's the $1 a month tier. And with that, you get to see the raw footage of this put together and any errors we may make. Yes. If we ever make errors. Yeah, if you we know? ever make them at all. <laughs> um, there's the $2 tier, which every week we have the live commentaries. Yes. Every Friday. Every Friday. Every single Friday. There's commentaries from the WWE Network. You get mm-hmm. to watch with us talking. Yep. We'll, we'll tell you how to sync all that up. It's all in the notes and in the podcast, too. Mm-hmm. And on the $3 tier, which uh, once a month comes out a video live review of WWF 1982. 1982, not very good. 
No, it's not very good, but it, you get to actually watch us watch the footage. You get to see the footage mm-hmm. of us watching the footage. Yeah, it's very technologically advanced. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> I don't even know how it works. I don't either, but you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast and find out how it works, and if you want to donate, we'll be thankful, and if you don't, you know what? We're still thankful that you took a listen. Um, we'd like you to listen to two other shows that we really like. There's the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, WPAN, hosted by our good friends, the independent wrestler, Brian Malonis, and his partner in crime, independent wrestling referee, Mean Mike Crockett. They host an interesting show. It's a mix of retro and current and reflections on two guys that actually work in the business. Yes, they're they're very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable, great guys, fun time. Uh, so that's WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then there's our little brother, Quinn, the other show. Yes, Little Petey. Little Petey. Definitely older, uh, not sure about wiser, and his name is Peter Winson. He hosts a great one-man show, So Lonely, called Greetings from Allentown. And uh, he doesn't live in Allentown. No. Not every show he reviews is from Allentown, and he sometimes talks about wrestling. Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) But he'll always be our little brother. He'll always be our little brother, and it's a fantastic retro wrestling podcast. Yeah. Very quirky, very original, very unique. Greetings from Allentown. Check him out. You can also find him on the Pro Wrestling Holly Fade (laughs) of placetobenation.com. All right. Uh, That's all our plugs. That's it. We're done. Show's over. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plug the Show. (laughs) All right. So uh, if you just joined us this season for season eight, we have a new opening segment. It was suggested by our listener, Eric Points. Very good points. Yeah. And uh, the best points. (laughs) It's huge. And it's called the Wrestling Butterfly Effect, where we discuss the what if in the world of retro wrestling last week to really hammer home that concept. Quinn had a great pick. What if Bret Hart hadn't gone to the WCW? The WCW. Exactly. Yeah. The WCW. Uh, this week, it's my pick. We're going to alternate each week. And I want to ask you, Quinn, and ask okay. our fans at home, what would have happened if the MSG curtain call incident of May of 96 mm-hmm. didn't occur? Madison Square Garden incident happened, which became known as the curtain call. Okay, so I got a question with this. Are we supposing that the curtain call itself didn't occur, but all the events around it did? Or are we supposing that Nash and Hall didn't leave? Uh, like, we're supposing that Nash and Hall left, but... There, we didn't have this little fanciness at the end of this match. Okay. So I guess I'll do the quick background and then right, we'll discuss. Right. May 19th, 1996, there was an MSG house show. And it happened to be the last one of Scott Hall and Kevin Ash, Razor Ramon and Diesel. We know that story. They jumped to the WCW, just yeah. like Bret Hart the did. WCW, yeah. <laughs> the WCW. The WCW. At the end of the Shawn Michaels versus Diesel match... They had planned, these four guys, the clique, if you will, as they were known. Yes, they were a clique. They were a clique, and they feuded with the Bone Street crew. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Yes. And uh, they had planned, you know what, since Razor and Diesel are leaving, and it's just an MSG house show, you know, it wasn't televised. Right, exactly. They they were all going to do like a little salute, a little hug, a little celebration, a little, you know, kiss and and hug at the end there, right? They made out. Now, Sean Waltman, also a part of the clique, wasn't there. Right. At this time, he was, I think, in rehab or just away from the company or something like that. Okay. So this was captured, however, on a amateur fan cam uh, by a very excited man. <laughs> what? Oh, my God! Yeah! <laughs> wow! Oh, my God! It's like Howard Dean or something <laughs> when this happens. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! <laughs> and apparently, uh, Jim Cornette, among others... You know, probably Doc Hendricks, you know, Michael Hayes. We're all upset about this. Like, oh, motherfucker, breaking kayfabe, motherfucker. Now, to be fair, this is something Jim Cornette. (laughs) I mean, he gets upset about anything. Yeah, This is is right up his alley. This is like, he was just like, I want them to screw up some way. (laughs) So, um, 
Razor and Diesel were leaving, obviously, so they can't get punished. Shawn Michaels was the world champion, so, you know, he, uh, oh, he can't get punished. What are they going to do? What are they going to do to him? <laughs> yeah. He was, like, the only thing they had. <laughs> yeah. So, Triple H, Paul Levesque, you know, up-and-comer, Triple H, gets de-pushed. He has his King of the Ring 96 taken away from him. Yep. Uh, and he spends about three months kind of just being, like, an opening card, undercard guy mm-hmm. before eventually, you know, coming back in the 97, getting his push. Right. And all was well. In the meantime, a guy named Steve Austin won the King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And the speculation now, Quinn, is, well, what if they hadn't done this, in this little hug, right? Yeah. A freaking hug, essentially, is what led to Steve Austin. Right. So I'll pose one question to you to kick it off. Okay. And my question is going to be, if Triple H becomes King of the Ring, does Steve Austin's natural talent eventually still shine through? Does I, he break through? I think it does because... I honestly think Triple H in 96 winning the King of the Ring would have been kind of a disaster. You think so? So he can fight Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam or something? Yeah, good point. I mean, what's the point? Like, he wasn't that good. Like, I, <laughs> You're right, he wasn't. Like, nobody cared about him, and I don't think they would have cared anymore anyway if he had if won, the, won King the King of the Ring. Yeah. So it would have been like a slight upgrade for Mabel, but that's about it. Yeah, like, this is better than Mabel. Like basically. Owen Hart level? Yeah. King of the Ring just like, oh, he won it. Damn, that stinks. We don't like him. And that's yeah, it. Exactly. And that's kind of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving on from there. So what becomes of Steve Austin then? I think he just would have gone on the rampage as usual. He would have had other things to do. So what know? about Austin 316, though? Because that was born that's out the of thing, the King of the Ring. I don't know if that catchphrase would have ever been a thing. That's the one thing. Because where is Jake the Snake fall in all this? Because that's kind of the reason that Austin 316 was even a thing. Right. Like, does Triple H just beat Jake in the King uh, of yeah, the Ring? Well, probably. Probably, but right? probably with interference from China, because remember, he Shows just never... Yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, never mind. Or Mr. Hughes or whoever the hell. <laughs> Don't bring him up. There was uh, always somebody <laughs> with him. There was. So I, it's interesting to say, because, you know, a lot of people credit this MSG incident with turning the tide you know, in the long term because it led to Steve yeah, Austin. Yeah, but it's a complete accident. It is. That's the thing. That's why it's so interesting. What would have happened if these guys hadn't have hugged? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I think that it just would have mostly been business as usual, but the Austin stuff is mainly the impacted stuff. Like, okay, so like where does Austin step in at the top? I think it just delays the inevitable. Do you think Bret Hart, who was sitting at home, you know, agreed upon sitting at home during this period of time, mm-hmm. still notices Steve Austin anyway and wants to work with him? Probably, yeah. So definitely. regardless, that had nothing to do with Austin winning the King of the it, Ring. Brett didn't care about promos. Let's be real. No, there, he right? was like, you know, I think you're a great wrestler. Yeah, it was the wrestling. And he, that's all it was. Yeah, exactly. And he was right. He had a good eye for but that. But would Austin have received the same opportunities to wrestle as much on TV had he not won the King of the Ring? This would is Brett have seen that? And would that feud have ever happened? So here's what I think. Brett kind of, in a way, had Vince by the balls in the fall of 96 before he re-signed. Because it was either go to WCW like everybody else had, Mm -hmm. or sign this ludicrous 20-year career. I mean, a contract, right? Yeah, a long-ass contract. Right, right. But I mean, we went over this. It wasn't like he would wrestle for 20 years. It was like he would be in creative or something after like three But if Bret Hart says, you know, I want to come back, but one thing I want, Vince, is to fight the Stone Cold. Yeah. How is Vince going to say no, regardless if if Austin won the King of the Ring? Like, he didn't give a shit about Austin even then. Like, even after he won the King of the Ring. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, see, that's, that's a, a good point. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Yeah, the King of the Ring didn't launch him to stardom. Right. All it did is he had a catchphrase that he right. said. One catchphrase. What? Which he he would have like tons of them. Like that's the bottom line. Yeah. And what? True. And don't trust the, anybody. Don't trust that DTA. He didn't even get the music until like right before Survivor Series. Right. He still had like the ding, like the Ringmaster ding, music the whole time. Like yeah. Yeah, it was like the demolition music. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's pretty much like an upgraded demolition. With like the hopeful. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. What other impacts do you think this has then? So Austin still becomes a star. We're saying we're ri- we're riding that one through. I think, yeah. I think I, you're right. Because I... Honestly, I have no faith in Triple H to have, like, converted that win into anything of use. He would have just had, like, like a high-profile feud with... Sh- he would have been, like, heel Goldust yeah. in 96. He'd just probably just continue feuding with, like, Mark Marrow or some <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Right. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe an Undertaker match or something. Yeah, I, I think in the long run, yeah. what we're realizing out of this, and I think some butterfly effects will reveal this, is yes. that this event, whereas they made a big deal of it at the time... Mm-hmm. That it like it, it changed the course of events and people right. were de-pushed and yeah, things yeah. were messed up, but it really didn't have much effect at all because really only it affects is like Triple H's like pre being anybody stuff. Like even if Triple H say had won that King of the Ring, sure, I don't think he would have been anything till like DX happened. He wasn't anyway. Yeah. He wasn't anything no matter what until DX happened. He wasn't shit until yeah. he was with Shawn and, Michaels. And I don't even think that would have derailed D- DX happening because he was still in the click and all that. That's so, true. Like, right. Know, it's like Shawn all that was, shit would have happened anyway. Good point. And the other thing is, is even when he did join DX, until like Shawn left, Triple H was still like the goober. Yeah. Like he was, it was like, who's this asshole with Shawn Michaels? He was just a hanger on. But okay, let's say this thing doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Part of the reasoning behind DX was because the click incident was known. Like, yeah, they poked fun at it. Right. People uh, knew the, the wolf pack symbol was the click symbol. And I remember a lot um, of them mentioning this kind of stuff in their promos when they were new. When the D- DX yeah. was brand new. And they would make references to Hollow Nash, like, let our people go, you know, because yeah. like, WCW was holding them hostage and stuff like that. And just, like, talking about, they were, like, alluding to the punishment in general. Sure. Like, because of it. They showed the footage on TV. Yeah, Remember exactly. That? With Not with the, yeah, they yeah. just took the audio out. <laughs> Thankfully, because yeah. that guy, oh my God! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that guy's the worst. Oh my God! Now, from a kayfabe point of view, though, because, you know, the traditionalist, and probably Bruce fucking Pritchard, you know, like, uh, it was a big deal, you know, whatever the hell, him on his Chat Me Up show. Yeah, that chat Conrad. Me Up about that. Yeah, Chat Me Up. But uh, really, do you really think that it freaking matter? what, 16,000 people at MSG saw it? That's it? I mean, yeah, and, and, and most of them are, like, parents who don't care. <laughs> like, so really, in, in essence, maybe 3,000 people cared. Maybe even, maybe 1,000. Why was yeah. it treated, then, as such a, a big deal, do you think? Because it was just something that didn't happen usually. Like okay. the WWF never acknowledged, first of all, that there was competition. True. They until didn't that acknowledge time. people leaving ever. Good they would point. just disappear off the face of the earth. And yeah. there wouldn't really be anything said. Unless it was like somebody high profile like Hogan or something. Right. For the most part, like people like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were yeah. not big enough, even though they were the top stars. They, they weren't were big not, enough. They were not big enough in the WWF's eyes to be cared about. So like had they left, it would have just been like yeah, they're not here. Like, they wouldn't have even said that. They would have just, you know, disappeared into nothing. Like, into oblivion as far yeah, as WWF is concerned, they right? They just quietly stopped talking about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they do for anyone that yeah, left, right? Back yeah. then. 
So basically what we're saying is the only thing this would have really affected is Austin 316 might never have been a catchphrase, but does that, I mean, honestly, right? Yeah, but didn't he have a feud with Jake anyway? Did he, were they feuding? I guess I so. I thought they did. I thought that was the whole point of them running into the each finals. other at the end. They might have had like a little mini feud, you're right, because I think Austin and Vega were over <laughs> with by then because didn't yeah. Savio technically win that feud? Yeah, like, Austin was not doing anything anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. What yeah, would right, Austin's though. next feud have even been? If he didn't win the yeah. King of the Ring? No, because the Savio feud was over, it. so then what? I don't know. He didn't do dick anyway when he did win the King of the Ring. So it's like, honestly, it, you know, <laughs> but he might have ended up just fighting the newly crowned King of the Ring, Triple H. Heel versus heel, you think? Well, they yeah. had that match anyway at the end it's of the possible. year. Yeah, it's I'm possible. I'm just saying. Like, it's possible. It's, it's, it's possible. He might have feuded with Mark Morrow. Yeah, maybe they would have turned him face faster. <laughs> maybe. maybe you never he, know. He might have just lingered in, in obscurity like he did from June until like September anyway. He wasn't doing anything when he won that King it, of the Ring, and he wasn't doing anything after he won that King of the Ring. It was literally like they changed the booking plans for one night. Yeah. And all they did was insert him into that tournament in Triple H's place. See, the thing is... And I, did nothing yeah, with him. Yeah, the thing is, I think the Pillman stuff, which would truly launch him... Yeah, that and um, the Brett stuff. And the Brett stuff, especially the Pillman stuff, would have happened because of just the existing, like, known bad blood or whatever the hell. Right, it's a built-in story. Right. By late 96, the fans are smart enough to know these guys were a, a huge tag team in WCW. They played yeah. upon that. Yeah, that's what it was doing. So I don't think that, like, that would have not happened. And Austin, without DiBiase, because he was gone already, would have been talking anyway, which is what got him over. It wasn't just King of the Ring. Right. It was the, the promos week after week uh, on Pillman or on Bret Hart or yeah. sitting in and doing commentary. But man, next time you cut me off like that, son, I'll reach over and backhand you and knock those silly glasses right off your face. Honestly, every Everybody was fumbling around with Jake the Snake at that point. Like, seriously, he was fighting everyone. He was. He was like, fighting Vader. He yeah. was fighting Vader so on Boy like, World. So who's to say that Austin wouldn't have said that in some Raw match? You know what? You're right. Like, I, That's I true. Like some nonsense match with Jake the Snake where Austin's just talking shit like he always does. So we're trying to say here, basically, is that the only thing that this would have delayed, maybe, is or changed, is that Triple H would have just been meaningless for longer. Yeah. <laughs> like high-profile meaningless in 96. Yeah, he would have just been more high-profile in his meaningless status. <laughs> Well, anything that ends with Triple H not mattering is okay with me. Mm -hmm. Are there any other implications here before we wrap up? Not that I can think of. I mean, we wouldn't have that great sound clip of the guy going, Oh my God! Yeah, other than that, there, <laughs> you know, the internet wouldn't have that great clip. Oh my God! And it, won't, it wouldn't get mentioned uh, in DX, but I, I agree with you that... It wouldn't be in a DX DVD right. slash... <laughs> you know Shawn Michaels DVD yeah. slash Triple H DVD God, like true. it's in a million DVDs that's right maybe the uh, the click wouldn't be as widely known if it hadn't been for that incident you could have had DVDs that were about like 15 seconds shorter yeah like because <laughs> they still would have they still would have had to talk about all that click stuff they just wouldn't have that clip to go to no I'm <laughs> <laughs> Two more notes here, Quinn. Number one is, what do you think would have happened if the Bone Street crew would have done their own, like, curtain call? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> During, like, Fatu's last First, match or something. What? <laughs> Who cares about that? Exactly! Nobody, okay, so here's the thing about the Bone Street crew real quick. Yes, please. Nobody really knew that existed at the time. That wasn't, like, known. But the thing is, did, did anyone know about the click existing until the MSG incident? Um... I didn't, but I was 10. Yeah. Eh. Now, sort of, sort of, and I'll only say it because they were they were pretty overt about knowing each other and being friends. Like the the Bone Street Crew, not so much. <laughs> yeah, like Bone Street Crew, yeah. the Undertaker's gang. And then point number two, Quinn. Before we wrap up here, you know, we want to mention this house show, this MSG house show. 
What even happened at this house show? Just the Diesel versus well, HBK? Triple H defeated Razor Ramon also. Oh. So the click was all working with each other anyway, which is interesting. And then HBK <sighs> defeated the Diesel. But more importantly, Quinn, this took place on May 19th. Yes, May 19th. That, that's when Kane did his thing or whatever, right? <laughs> yes. Like, and Kane's and the- face burned off or... or- what happened? Uh, I don't fake Kane came in or something, and then they feuded, and Fake Kane had the bad hair, and then he got thrown out a door a few months later. Wasn't it that his like girlfriend died or something? It, but Katie not, Vick? but not Katie Vick. It was like some other thing. <laughs> There's another it? girlfriend. I thought that's or what the May nineteenth was like, or he burned the Undertaker's face. What happened with Kane? <laughs> there was like multiple <laughs> things, but I'm pretty sure it, it was something to do with a girlfriend, but not Katie Vick. Right? Like, okay. It was that I'm I'm almost certain. And that, folks, is more interesting than 1996 Triple H. Yeah. So with that said, that's our wrestling butterfly effect for this week. Yeah, yeah I'm with you, Quinn. I think the bottom line is things would have mostly been the same and DVDs would have been a little shorter. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, let us know what you think would have happened had the MSG incident had not happened. What do you think did it really affect? Uh, let us know what you think. In the meantime, we'll be back right after this. You couldn't do anything to Nash or to Hall because that was there last night. That was the whole reason for the thing. It was last night there. What I would have done was because he still had their WrestleMania payoffs. They wouldn't have got a goddamn dime. They wouldn't have got a fucking, fucking dime for any fucking pay-per-view money that they were owed after they did that that night. That's just right there. And that would have saved Vince a couple hundred thousand dollars. But he didn't do it. Um... Yeah, I would have fired Hemsley because he was a goddamn underneath fucking mid-card guy at best that wasn't necessarily really getting over at that fucking point like gangbusters. And why the fuck that he would think that he had the status in the community just because he hung around these guys and rode in the car with them and they liked to be in a, you know him being around because that way they could preserve their pecking order. Everybody had a little spot. No, I would have fired him. Fuck you. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here on episode number 72, the first one of March, March 5th, 2018. Hey, Michael Quinn. Hi. Hi. We're here to do Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. You know that? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is where, folks, we have put, we will continue to put... Four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst are going to go down into the desert of Death Valley. And this week, Quinn, we have a listener request. Whoa. Whoa. And you, too, can send in your request at ovppodcast.com on the suggestions tab. And this one, Quinn, is from our showrunner. Yes. (laughs) The the executive producer, if you will. Is this him? AJ Smith. Wow. AJ Smith. He's He's like AJ Styles of (laughs) suggestions. The best in the game, right? He's phenomenal, really. That's right. And he wants us to do the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... WWF in 1996. All right. I like this one. Now, now this done, is this is like what we've done before. We've done a few of these, right? We've yeah. done 93, 95. Did we do 99? I feel like we did. Me? I think we did. It was me all along. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that happened. I think it did. So WWF in 96, you know, coincidentally, we were just talking about some of 96, so this dovetails nicely into yeah. that. One thing about 96 that we have to say is mm-hmm. this was the, the, the pivotal year where WWF went from being the only thing that mattered in wrestling yeah. The mm-hmm. North, Amer- North American Meltzer match to number two. <laughs> yeah, basically. Very I mean, they, strange. They were not number one anymore by this point. They started the year with the Raw Bowl. They- yeah, what a, what a <laughs> thrilling event that was watching Earl Hebner in like 
football referee pants. And they ended the year with the return of the Honky Tonk Man, the color commentary. What a great year. <laughs> Book ended by that shit. Fake Razor Ramon. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, a lot of things happened. Some good, some very, very bad. And we're here to talk about the best and the worst of 1996. Quinn, what do you got? Under the best? Yes, for Rushmore. Um, for Rushmore, I would nominate, first of all, just Sean's year in general. Shawn Michaels, yeah. that whole year, was the, the company, basically. He was one of the best wrestlers. He had a run, Michaels did, mm-hmm. of being one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Right. Like, including Japan. I'm right. not even kidding. He was very good. Like, top that's, 10 anywhere. That's when we realized, like, okay, no, Shawn Michaels is, like, the day-to-day best wrestler, period, right. ever. Like, even more so than Brett, because Brett would have his, like, ups. Peaks and valleys. Yeah, he would be like, I don't care. But Shawn is just like, damn it, I'm going to be the best every pay-per-view. It's going to be the best. For, thing ever for someone as emotionally and i don't mean this derogatorily emotionally unstable as Shawn michaels was he was the definition of consistency as far as wrestling throughout 1996 yeah. he was that, fantastic and and that started his like claim to fame of just being like what he would say the showstopper the like icon. the main event like he would the main event he yeah. would hang he would hang his hat based off basically this year of establishing that like that yeah this is where the best matches happen in yeah. Shawn michaels matches in he, the world wrestling federation he did hang his head on that now he wears his hat like skinner yeah but uh, uh that aside he's retired <laughs> he can wear whatever he wants <laughs> yeah. in my opinion yeah um he started the year winning the royal rumble he beat brett at wrestlemania 12 in a hell of a freaking iron man match yeah. obviously he which had a, is in retrospect not it's great though yeah, it's great it, it still was just, is i think it's more of a first time you watch it kind of thing yeah but, it's not a huge rewatch but yeah tell you what it's a good it's, it's still a, really it's good a great match yeah uh he had a great series you know it, much let me put not i don't want to say great better than it had any right to be against the british bulldog yes because like, bulldog had no business being a main eventer and that feud was stupid but the matches were good yes uh like, that great match against diesel with uh mad dog vachon's leg yes 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 that whole thing that was good oh my god oh my god What about the Mankind match in the September? Man, that's I, the, the Mankind match I always think of. Sid. Sid. Good stuff with Goldust. Yeah, good stuff with Sid. Like, yeah, that's Sid hard to do. In, like, by, at Survivor Series or whatever. <laughs> Sid! So, Who I mean, has good <laughs> matches with Sid? Even when he was on commentary in December, he contributed with yeah. that whole, like, dancing and Ugh. distracting Brett thing. No, he was one of the best things. It's actually tough to think of if there's anything that could top that. I know he's going to make the rush more, but I like to kick a volley your yeah, way sure. just, to, just to get another thing out there. Sure. And I'm going to say the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin in late 96. Yeah, underneath all of this Sean greatness at the top, you yeah. had Austin kind of like at the upper middle. Yeah. Um, just kind of becoming Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, starting around September. Like we yeah. said, it wasn't King of the Ring. I it think, was later. I think most of this best stuff, other than Sean, mm-hmm. is going to come from the later half of the year. I think you're right. Yeah. Because the a lot of it was just mediocre at best for the for the beginning of the year. Right. And then some of the spring and summer was just god awful. Yeah. I mean, it really was. Yeah. There was some bad shit. During the break, we got this all figured out here. Savio Vega against who? Yes. Who's Vegas facing Savio? No, the gentleman in the mask there in the yellow is who? Cares! However... Stone Cold Steve Austin from the last, like the last quarter of the year, you know, September till the end, mm-hmm. was one of the best things to watch. The promos, I, I, I can't believe that how good that character was in '96. Yeah. Like, and it came from like nothing. It like, really, really it came honestly, from being a member of the Million Dollar Corporation of all places. <laughs> 
And I know that DiBiase in like certain like legends of wrestling has like acted like he somehow contributed to he it. Didn't do no one dick. gave a shit about Ted DiBiase in that. No, it was Austin being an asshole. Like that was just the whole point of him. Yes. Was he was just a big pain in the balls to like anybody. That's exactly what it was. The whole point of DiBiase was like to hide the fact that Austin couldn't talk. Which is what such you, so what? weird. That was that was weird. Did Vince not see him in? E- well, of course, Vince didn't see him in ECW. But did someone not see him in ECW? What about WCW? He was a good he talker was a, there. He was a good talker. He was a good talker everywhere he was. Remember, you have a grievance. I have a television yeah, show. Exactly. <laughs> this he, was got a guy that was never ever a bad talker yeah, ever ever. <laughs> what? Um, but I would have to say though, Quinn, because. Shawn Michaels was there from January till the end and amazingly didn't lose a smile and didn't get beat up by a Marine that year. He wrestled the entire <laughs> year. He didn't fake any injuries. He didn't fake jobbing any titles. He actually lost a title in the ring in, he, in November. He was a stand-up guy in 96. Real, to be fair. He was a real jam-up guy. I yeah. mean, he was he saved Vince's ass because without I, Vince Shawn, would have no, Okay, that would be an interesting, like, uh, butter, like yeah. what if there's just no Shawn Michaels night? What even would that company be? I don't know, there's there's nobody. There's n- fucking nobody. There was Brett's not. like, I don't know if I want to work here. And like, no, I want to do Lonesome Dove. Yeah, and like I, all that bullshit. And he wants to be in the magazine with Bart Simpson and all this shit. Like, Brett's like farting off, and Hall and Nash are like, we're out of here. Yeah, I know. There's nobody. What, Marty Janetti and what Leaf a Cassidy. One, two, three kid. Will He's be gone too. Yeah. And Vince is like, I don't like Vader for I some mean, stupid literally, fucking reason. All they would have if that happened was yeah. like Undertaker. Die, die, die. Against like just killing people. Yeah, like, like, kind. Yeah. All right. Shawn Michaels, then I think unanimously here without a, yeah. without a, without a doubt is right. number one. Yeah. Now, is Austin number two or is there other things to consider? Well, I want to take a singular thing from that because sure. I, I always do when we talk about 96 and yeah. the Pillman's got a gun is, you know, hands down the most like crazy thing to happen ever in wrestling. It's a big thing ever. Was, in my opinion, I've never seen, never seen anything like it. Never ever going to see anything like it again. Pillman's got this pistol out and I don't know what the hell is going on here. This is ridiculous. Pillman's got this. Um, what the, what the hell is that? Kevin Kelly acting like a woman while yeah. Brian Pillman has it's, a gun. It's quite a spectacle. We've talked about it a lot. It's great. It's yeah. one of uh, the most captivating things that they did. They got a lot of shit for it. Uh, some people think it was stupid and, and uh, you know, sensationalized. I think it's the most realistic representation of, like, what would happen in a feud with two men who hate each other and fight on television every week. I totally agree with it's you. It's the most natural escalation of that. They only did it once. Yeah. It's no, it's no less realistic than shit you'll find on cops. Yeah. You don't know how she got shot in the leg. Must be spontaneous combustion, huh? Right. I am with you. I think the Austin Umbrella should cover that. Because... The Austin Bret Hart feud was also in 1996. It started then, and it was fantastic. And I think we'd be shortchanging it if we just singled out the gun incident. What do you think? I agree. Um, I guess I just always highlight the gun incident because I think it's like so standout. Like it's like a cut above even like whatever Austin was doing all year. It's amazing too because it was going on while he was feuding with Bret Hart. Yeah, it wasn't even like the main. (laughs) It was like some side thing. Yeah. it's and like, it turns out to be the best thing. Brett's like sitting home petting his cat during an interview. And yeah. Meanwhile, Austin's almost getting shot at. I knew it was going to be a special week for me when Smokey, my cat, ran up and jumped in my arms because he's the only fan I got. 
Yeah. Throwing guys into kiddie pools. Yeah. Beating up like a flock of Brian Pillman's yeah. friends, as they were called. Yelling at Vince during interview. I think Austin has to go on next. I mean, I yeah, think that's I, clear, I, right? All this stuff was good. All right. So, okay. So Austin in general, right? Just Austin in general, because it's not like his ringmaster stuff was offensive. Uh-huh. It's not bad. It was mm. just middling. Actually, the Savio feud is pretty good. No, the Savio feud's great, right? I, that was like early proof that Austin could like do his own feud. Yeah. Like he was kind of the lead on that feud. Like it wasn't Sabio. No. And it's no, no offense to Sabio because he, he was great during the end of it. Yeah. He was great during that feud. He showed up for all the matches. Absolutely. And he was very like, they finally capitalized on the like Savio's a fiery kind of guy. Like he, he loses his temper quick. And that was kind of the point of it, right? It was like a Pedro Morales, your favorite. Right. But like a good version. Yeah, right? like a, like good a modern version. <laughs> right. Didn't talk too much. Like just <laughs> beat the shit out of people. And that's all I wanted out of Savio Vega. And they, they had good chemistry, surprisingly. Yeah. They had some good stuff. Caribbean strap match. They yep. fought in the, when the lights went out and all that. <laughs> and, uh, they did. And uh, of course, Austin also defeated Yokozuna uh, the, um, in the free-for-all. For Wait, the 96. infamous where Yoko's yeah. like foot falls off no, and like his the, no, I know, but the yeah. rope breaks yeah. and his like foot hurts and they have to get a forklift and all that shit. Well, no, the forklift was Vader, but Yoko broke the turnbuckle against okay. Austin. All right, wait a minute! Oh, oh my God, the ropes broke! I think we. I think it's pretty clear. Austin should be number two. Okay, Quinn. so Austin in Stone Cold Steve Austin, just in general for okay. number two. What are you thinking? I really like the Survivor Series 96 pay-per-view. Do you really? Because that has the debut of The Rock. <laughs> you like that? No, but I mean that the <laughs> fact that that's like a big thing that happened. It was hyped and it's historical, yeah. Okay. And it, it's it's, it's, it's historic. Strappy things. Yeah, but it also leads to the Rocky Die, Rocky Die, like because yeah. of that like smiley face rock Hi! that shows up. <laughs> Blue chipper, by God. It, like all that crap. It's got like shitty Barry Windham in it though, too, Quinn. And like No, but that's <laughs> not all though. So that's just I'm just saying the rock debuts, right? Yeah. That, go ahead. So that's like historically pivotal. The rock. Yeah. And then you got Austin versus Brett at that, which Love is an awesome match. match. Old school style. And yep. and Sean versus Sid. You got True. that hot MSG crowd. I even remember yeah. like I liked how the set looked. Like everything about that pay-per-view is really good. You're right. And Sean losing a title is always fine with me. What did you think as a kid of Sean losing the title to Sid? Surprising. I yeah, didn't I thought I didn't really think that. But then when I guess it all made sense when we got to Royal Rumble because I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. The Royal Rumble was in San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah. George and Adam sitting there for yeah. months. They, and they were sitting there like at, by gonna, Survivor Series. They were already there. We're going to be at the Royal Rumble in two months. I mean, what? when did that start? Like June? <laughs> like they were talking about that forever. And they couldn't give the tickets away. I think it was like if you went to 7-Eleven in San Antonio and bought a big bite, you would yeah. get a ticket. I'm they, not kidding. They, they were just like, I please think it's take real. these tickets. <laughs> like for real, yeah. yeah. Tonight. San Antonio's favorite son returns home older, wiser, innocence lost. Who cares? So that said. Yeah, I really think that Survivor Series 96 is the definitive pay-per-view of 1996. Ugh. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's not bad. And if we're talking matches, I mean, it's got the best match of 96 is Austin Brett. Yeah. I think followed closely, though. I want to get volley one of you. Okay. By Michael's Mankind from Mind Games. It's great. Unbelievable match. Great match, but it's a one match show. It's a one match show, and there's not a clean finish. DQ yeah. finish. Mm -hmm. Something cool happens there. It's not going to make Rushmore, but I want to shout it out. 
Owen and Bulldog win the tag titles from the guns at Mind Games also. Oh, do they? And it's awesome. I love Owen and Bulldog as a team. Yeah, they're a great team. Not as much as Owen and Yoko, but I still like them. Honestly, you know what's also one of the best pay-per-views during that? In Your House, It's Time. In Your House, It's Time. The controversial Scott Keith hated it. Quinn and I love it. December 96 pay-per-view right after Survivor. Excellent pay-per-view. It is fun. Now, Survivor Series 96, it's good because the Survivor Series matches that don't really matter yeah. are kept very short. Right. But the main matches are awesome. Yeah. <sighs> I think it's like easily the best pay-per-view of 96. Like WrestleMania 12 blows other than like the... It, uh, Undertaker Diesel's okay, no? Eh. It, yeah, Austin, I like it, but it's like... Austin Savio is okay. It's not a blow-you-away pay-per-view. It's, it's not because it's hard to... For, it has like five matches. One of them has OJ footage in it. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't win points on that one. I mean, at the one time... One of them's got Ahmed. At the time, I was excited about it. Well, I was too, yeah. And it was one of the first WrestleManias that I was like full-on into WWF by that point. Like, sure. that's what I remember about that pay-per-view. Sure. It's like, this is the first WrestleMania where I know everything that's going on. I'm not watching it, like, on a tape delay right, or anything. Right, right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm watching it live. Totally. I mean, I was getting down to, like, I wanted the commemorative, like, Sean poster plaque thing that had a piece of the ring. I was like, oh, I wanted that so bad as a kid, Joe. How much did they sell that shit for? Probably it was like way 120 <laughs> bucks or something, like in 96. Did you want the Shawn Michaels denim jacket also? I didn't want that. I, I really wanted the plaque bad. Did you really? Yes, because <laughs> honestly, what it was that I I wanted, I didn't really care about the, the Shawn like, part of it. I actually more cared about the, the piece ring. of the ring, because yeah. I was like, that's a cool thing to own. I guess it is, yeah. And especially when your favorite guy wins the world title for the first time. It's like, oh, what a cool commemorative thing. Shawn Michaels boogers all over that, Matt yeah. there, Quinn. His pookies. Yeah. Survivor Series 96, huh? Well, let's just, okay, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go with you there and say that it's the best of the big four, for sure. Yeah. SummerSlam's good. I don't think the, any of the In Your House has topped that Survivor Series. I don't think so. The April one has that Sean Diesel match, but the February one's the thing, poopy. The thing about 96 May is it's is not that great. So, like, having two good matches automatically makes it probably the best pay-per-view. <laughs> two really good I mean, especially especially Austin Brett, but and, and just, Michael Sidis Just, just an too. honorable mention again of It's Time. Yeah, go ahead. And it's more just because, like, It's Time is just fun. It's fun. It's not good. No. I'm not, we're not saying it's a good pay-per-view. It's fun pay-per-view. It's just stupid and silly and just a good time. But I don't know. All right. We got two spots, right? What else is good in 96? Let's throw a few things out there. Is there um, much else? Well, the it starts to brew a little bit mm -hmm. about Brett becoming a heel. The end like, of 96. It stems from the moment like he starts interacting with Stone Cold. Like, and he yeah. starts having to play, uh, you know, use fire against fire. Right. And he finally beats him at Survivor Series. Right. But you're starting to see the beginnings of Brett becoming evil Brett. When I was screwed out of the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. True. You know, you and, are. and that is that is a very interesting development for a guy that was coming off of like, you know, that weird interview where Vince McMahon is like, I don't know if he's gonna And Vince is like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like and, and then he, it's like, yeah. And then he like signs. But like after that, like yeah. Brett starts getting a little aggressive. You're a hyena. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Most of that is 97, though, but it does start in 96. There's other good things about 96. 96 is a weird year. It is weird because I think it's defined by the last three months. It is. That's what we always call the pre-attitude attitude era. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know there's a... Maybe last four months of September. September-ish, yeah. yeah. 
Vince Russo starts to to be on the writing team by that point. You know one thing that started the 96 mm-hmm. and might be a best part of it because it was good in 96 is Livewire. Oh my god, yeah, Livewire. That was actually that was good. very interesting. And I, it started in September 96. But can we well, okay. So I think Livewire is defined by one episode, and it's the Vince McMahon episode. The Vince McMahon episode where, where Vince Russo is on there. Yeah, it's Vince Russo, Vince McMahon, and Jim Cornette. I and think. Doc Hendricks. And Doc Hendricks. And Sonny, but she doesn't really do anything. Yeah, she's just kind of the hostess. She's laughing. Yeah, she's just like, ha, this is fun. And that's where the real life Vince Russo gets to put his real opinions onto in the avenue of the Vic <sighs> Venom character. He's like, how can this show be so awful. He's right. He is right. He's absolutely everything he's saying is right. Now, with all this knowledge and all this experience, I have one question and one question only for you, and so does everybody else out there. How can this show be so awful, Mr. McMahon? It's indicative of probably like what was really going on. Indicative of, yes. Like of the power struggle between Cornette's old school style booking with Billy Joe Freud and all those stupid people. And and Vince Vince McMahon's old school, yeah, honestly. What it, Jimmy Fred, Joe, Freddy, Freddy, Joe Freddy, Freddie Joe Floyd, yeah. Jimmy Jack Funk. Yeah. Um, and and T.L. Hopper yeah, and, and all, all that this shit. bullshit that they right. thought was going to be this big thing and it sucked. I don't even know if they thought it would be a big thing. Well, they thought I, it would. They thought it would like enhancement I, jobbers. I think the idea was that it would like help their mid year for some reason. Yeah, like that—that that was really like what the design was. It was like, oh, we'll have these enhancement jobbers for like three months, and it will really help us. And, right. And it, I guess it really pissed off Vince Russo. Like, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know who it, it might have pissed off a lot of people. It yeah. certainly didn't do the fans any favors. I right. thought it was boring as a kid. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, I didn't understand so it. Why is there like, a plumber? I don't want this. What is this happy guy? Yeah, Freddie Joe Floyd. <laughs> yeah. Why is there this Italian guy with a weird hat? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, what's the what's a pug? Yeah. <laughs> I swear, man, it was right. bad. Uh, but back to the good, Livewire was pretty interesting in that it actually took real-life calls from real-life fans, at least in the beginning. Another interesting aspect was it was the first WWF product to hype something called the internet and email. Yeah, yeah you're and right. Like, what the hell? Like, I didn't really know what that was until wrestling. For like, real, huh? And you know, I might not have either, Quinn. I, I, honestly, I might not have like, either. Well, in 1996, yeah. what, did you, like, you had a computer maybe with some computer games on it, but sure. not a lot of people had, like, an internet connection. No, that's true. Uh, AOL and WWF kind of merged. Yeah, you, know, you like, might have used it to up. type something on. Sure, right. Like, or like but, Shawn Michaels with the one thing. Yeah, but it, it was like, this was... WWF actually used AOL, and mm. I had AOL because of WWF. Yeah. I will say this. They've always been ahead of the curve with the internet for some dumb reason. It's like the, the only thing that yeah. they're always ahead of. They don't get credit for it. Yeah, like because they're always behind on everything else. I know. But for some reason, the internet is like the thing, and Livewire is kind of the beginnings of that. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we have Livewire. We have Survivor Series 96. Yeah. There's other things that are good. They're just few and far between, like really standout things. One thing is Goldust was one of the best parts of 96. At the beginning. Yeah, you know, you're right. Later, Goldust, not so good. Good point. Around King of the Ring, he starts to fizzle out Like after that. It was fun for a minute. Are we putting Survivor Series on there? I'm okay with it because I of the matches Survivor it has. Series easily. It's a pivotal pay-per-view. Yeah. It's an yeah. important pay-per-view. And it's a good, it's a big turn to the Attitude Era. Yeah. Like, that's really kind of one of the STEM pay-per-views it, for that. Absolutely. It's got the last classic wrestling match uh, of Steve Austin until he becomes a brawler more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a great return from Brett. It's got an interesting 
uh, Sean Sid match. Mm-hmm. Not for the not just for the outcome, but because it's actually good. Yeah. And MSG crowds are always fun, especially in the mid nineties. Yes. The commentary is very good. Uh, Vincent and heel Jr. Yeah. Which is very fun. All right, I'm with you. I'll put it on for number three. Let's Look at do that. It. Look at that. Yeah. Good sell, Quinn. For number three, Survivor Series '96. Now let me. Um, this is more of a question. Yeah. Was the ECW stuff starting to happen in 96? I feel like it was. It was at uh, at Mind Games in Philadelphia. That's where they showed up. During the Bradshaw-Savio match. That was so cool at the time. That was. That was only like a one-off. They did that, and then the night after on Raw, there was a brief little tussle with Taz and Bill Alfonso. Yeah. And that was it. Didn't in 97 is the one where they properly invade Raw? February. Yeah, yeah because Lawler was... Jump off the R and all that shit. Yeah, that, like Lawler invited them. He's like, you guys are extremely crappy wrestling, JR. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That, that whole puppies. thing. Because they were hyping um the, the pay-per-view. The, mm-hmm. the, ECW, the first ever ECW pay-per-view. Vince was helping out Paul Heyman so much. Especially in... Nine, mostly in 96, too. In 96. Because that was where Vince saw, like, okay, this is where I'm going to get the talent from. Like, yeah. this, this is where it's going to come from. And this is a guy I can work with, and yeah. I need the talent. I need the, the guy to work with. And this is a guy with motivations, because he hates WCW. Right. To work with me. Yep. And he did. Yeah. And it worked. It was mutually beneficial, I would say. Yeah. There is a there's a local wrestling group here in Philadelphia. And obviously trying to make a name for themselves here. That was fun. I don't know if that was impactful enough in ninety six, but it was certainly I different. Think, I think it it laid the seeds for some bit of attitude. The the idea that like, wow, there's like these independent wrestlers like right. interfering. Right. Like this is bizarre. And they're yeah. like those hardcore guys we hear about on the news that yeah. aren't supposed to be fighting. <laughs> this is real. Yeah, yeah. You know? Seriously, like that that was something impactful to me. Even as a kid, I remember just thinking it was so cool mm-hmm. that ECW that I would only read about in the aftermags. What? Yeah. I would only hear it in these aftermags, Joe. Quinn, I don't know if you've ever been told this before. <laughs> yeah. Don't call them the aftermags. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. Bill. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's where I read it, too, was in those magazines that we won't mention. Yeah. And uh, it was really awesome because you could never find the fucking show on TV, yeah. as we've said. And it was on in <laughs> our area, but it. you couldn't fucking find it. It's like, hey, you want to stay till 530 in the morning? <laughs> the TV guy, like, didn't know when it was on. No yeah. one knew. Yeah. How did the TV guy didn't <laughs> no even one know? Knew. It was like, I don't know, 1 a.m.? No, maybe 3.30 a.m. Even that, like, ticker thing on the channel no 1, one knew. they would, didn't, didn't know either. It was just all to be announced, to be determined. Yeah. Is that one of the best things? I mean, there's there's good wrestling matches. How about matches? Want to talk matches real quick? We usually, we usually, <laughs> I mean, they were all like they were all like Shawn Michaels matches. That's the thing. The Shawn Michaels Mankind match. Match. Thank you, yeah. Dave. Uh, there's also the Shawn Michaels Diesel match. Yeah, right. That one's really good. Those are two I mean, really good matches. The Iron I Man match. But the thing is, I wouldn't say other than Brett and Austin and, at, at Survivor Series, it wasn't like a banner year for matches and WrestleMania. Obviously, and, and a couple of Michael's things. Yeah, but I mean, even those matches, like this is the this is the dark side of being the consistently best is that right. you don't have generally the best of all time match. Like a Mike Mussina, you're a consistently awesome pitcher, but you don't have a perfect game. Right, exactly. Yeah, like it, it's the it's the dark side of being the consistent best. It's that like re- everything's four and a half, yeah. but there's no five. <laughs> like that's that's fair, Quinn. That's yeah. fair. The main thing in my mind, believe it or not, is I, I, I want to say Livewire because of what it really because of what it represented. Okay, so maybe not Livewire, but maybe it's the concept of Livewire. Yeah, like how can we term it where 
One of the best things of 96 is you go from the beginning of the year where you've still got guys like Tatanka. <laughs> I mean, it sounds I mean, stupid, but it's true, right? And Isaac Yankum, right? And all this it's shit. It's still very kayfabe and very larger than life and stupid and just like, yeah. just made for children. It's anything can happen, you yeah. know, a new generation. But by the end of the year, you got guys with guns. You got, <laughs> you're, you're acknowledging the competition. You got this, the wall is starting to be chipped away at, you know? You're not even just acknowledging the competition. You're acknowledging like indie feds. Right. Like, you're acknowledging indie feds. You're acknowledging Vince is the owner. Yeah. You've got announcers turning heel. You've got Vic Venom, the, the magazine guy, being like, you're not Doc Hendricks. You're Michael P.S. Hayes. He's, he's calling it a show and saying it sucks. Maybe we just term it up. We bundle it up into the, the last three months. Four months of 1996. <laughs> You're just going to put the last three months. But that. what about your Livewire argument? In general, a Livewire, to me, is where you really get a good glimpse of that. I mean, I think so. I think so. But right. I mean, Livewire quickly devolves into like a horrible mess. But not until 97. It hangs on throughout the rest of 96 it? for it the most it part. Far, huh? It does, yeah. Because by 97, it's still okay. Right. It is okay. It's still in 97. But after that, it gets a little dicey. Mm-hmm. Can we put Livewire on? Believe it or I, not, I, I feel confident about Livewire because I, I, I think, like you said, Livewire is like an attitude change. Right? It is. It's showing like we're it's a willing. change of attitude, if you will. It's it's similar to what they had tried in 1994, 93 with Radio WWF, but no one ever got to hear that. But yeah. apparently, that was a show where they would break kayfabe, huh? When Jr. hosted it. Right. And JR would actually acknowledge real goings on in the business. Is this where the Ross report came from and all that? Yeah, he might have even had that in WCW before. Okay. But yeah. Um, but this was like to a national audience now on the USA Network. You know, it was in a time slot that yeah. everyone could see. I felt at the time, I remember Livewire feeling like what it was was them telling me what's really going on, even yeah. though it wasn't. And Partially I was. was and, yeah. I, and you weren't, we weren't smart enough yet. No, not I don't think any of the fans were. I don't care who they were. Ma- ma- the match people were, but Maybe, few and far between. Few and far between. The majority of people thought this was real inside baseball kind of stuff on sure. Wire. Like, and, and they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, they did it again later with Confidential. Right, it was pretty much the same concept. And, and they really tricked you because they brought Vince on to basically say that this is basically we're going to answer your questions yeah. for real. Yep, like, yep. and we like this is it. Like, they took Vince Russo and they put him on there to give it another air. Yeah. Credibility. Yeah, it, it felt like you were you were getting to see behind the curtain, but it was all carefully calculated. Yeah, but even at that, it's still so fucking entertaining. It's like they they cut a hole in the curtain as a box, and they control what's in the box. Perfectly said. Yeah, yeah. And, but behind the scenes of that curtain, there it's yeah. a puppet show. Right. They're still like manipulating things right. to show you what they want to see. But I, I loved it. I love the first few months of Live Wire. Yeah. Then and now. Like, I yeah. like watching that show. They're fun. It's different. They never did anything like it up to that point. I wish they'd put it on the network. There's not that many episodes. I mean, no, like, the, of, like, the that classic version. version. Yeah. yeah. Six months worth, eight months worth. Yeah, it's not it a seems lot. like a, a decent thing to dump on there. It's like a historical, like, this is where the internet was acknowledged and, yeah. like, the kayfabe and the backstage yeah. and all this shit. Is it good enough to dump on the Rushmore for number four? Yep, it's better than Tuesday Night Titans. So Definitely is. It should make it. All right, for number four. That's my criteria. <laughs> Livewire. All righty, let's recap for Donnie here. We've got Shawn Michaels, just the whole year. Yeah. Steve Austin, the whole year, because yeah. he was freaking awesome. Uh, Survivor Series 96, I'm with you, Quinn. The best pay-per-view of 96. Yeah, objectively, objectively. it's the best. Maybe not my favorite, but right. it's the best. It's most important, probably, too. Yeah. 
and Livewire. Great show. If you haven't seen those episodes, uh, those early ones from September, October, check them out. They are freaking they're different. Odd. Yeah, they're it, it's a real historical curiosity. Yes, it is. Uh, so that's four of the best. Quinn, I want to kick it off with four of the worst, or with one of the worst here. And I'm going to go right for the jugular. One, okay. of the, one of the worst things, one of the most embarrassing things of 1996 was fake Razor Ramon and Diesel. Well, it's pretty obvious that, that that's, D, that's Razor Ramon. No, that's not obvious, Jim Ross. That is not obvious. Yeah. Um, it's really stupid. What's if you think interesting about it. about it is I feel like the intention is right up there with that live wire stuff we said. Is it, though? Yes. It, the intention is that you are smart fans. Like, they're heels because they're trying to trick you into just replacing those characters. I guess. Like, I, that, to me, always came off as the intention. Like, they overtly said, like, what are you talking about? Like, this is Razor and Diesel. Right, and I think part of the reason they even did that in real life was uh, because of this lawsuit they had against WCW. That was another part of it. Proving that they still have the characters. Right, but the, the also, like, in the show, the way it was presented. Yeah was like, they're thinking way too outside the box yeah. to the point it's just stupid. Do you like fake Diesel, though, Quinn? <laughs> no, it sucks. It's just bad. He knows a thing or two about May 19th, though. He does. <laughs> it's weird. I, I don't know what that connection is. Fake Razor knows a thing or two about unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Bogner. Uh, all right, well, that's my that's my volley. You want to throw one at me, one of the worst things in 96? One of the worst things? Yeah. I mean, I would say that whole... The Alex, the pug, and fucking those that, four, that, those the, the the fatal four there, or whatever. The fatal four of the apocalypse, basically. Yeah, like who the what the fuck? Like, so it was yeah. such a weird thing. Let like, me formally introduce this for the fans here, okay? Because so, a lot of people yeah. like talk fondly of it. It's like, horrible. Like it's not good. Here, I'm going to tell it to you from a from a ten year old going on eleven <laughs> fan perspective. Quinn right. and I are the same age, you know. Just about in the summer of '96, out of nowhere, we start to see these like jobber gimmick characters. <laughs> yeah. One of them is bad. the dirty white boy Tony Anthony, except now he's playing a plumber. Yes. T.L. Hopper, which T.L. stands for toilet lid. <laughs> Great. That's not to say the dirty white boy doesn't look like he may have been a plumber. He very well could have been, yeah. but we don't need to go that far with it. was a very convincing it. character. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Then we've got... Um, Salvatore Sincere, who would, would later go on to become Tom Brandy. Which um, I always felt is more of an Irish-ish name. You or said something. this last week. Yeah, also. I'm very confused. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Sincere. Now, Salvatore Sincere was Italian, and yeah. he was like insincere. Yeah. So they called him Sincere. It was stupid. Now, if it was really Italian, it'd be more like Sincere. He was the weakest, but at the same time, it still boggles my mind that they just kept him and switched his name later because it was just weird. <laughs> and being the weakest is tough when you've got Freddie Joe Floyd, a nondescript version uh, of Tracy Smothers, who is already pretty non nondescript. <laughs> yes. It's basically Tracy. There's nothing different about him other than he doesn't wear Confederate flags yes. anymore. Like, And he's happier. Yeah, he's very jolly. <laughs> I'm Freddie Joe Floyd. And then and to round it out. Alex the Pug Porto. Now, Horrible. If this you're, is bad. If you're going to name yourself after a dog, yeah. I don't know that Pug is the most threatening choice of canine. Now, I feel like his presentation was kind of like the Taz 
the Taz. The, yeah, yes, Adam Lee, the Taz. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he came out to the Steiner's music. He was about the height. <laughs> he was about the height of the Taz. Yeah. He dressed like Kurt Angle and he wrestled like Quinn. Yeah, he was just so <laughs> yeah, boring. What? It was like, what are we watching here? Why do I get Jared be like, oh, great amateur background? Yeah, it's like they're fucking Brad Rangans, you yeah. know. I know that the Pug has a great amateur background, Doc, and I have a feeling he's really going to make a big impact here in the World Wrestling Federation. Wrong. So these guys come in, right? And the idea was that they were sort of good, kind of. They won some matches against other jobbers like, that sorry were lesser, sack jobbers, like, like the worst kind of jobbers. When you're dro- jobbing like to sell some Saber or something, <laughs> like you know th- those kind of Joe Champ or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, that. like when when Sal Sincere is getting one up on you, you better rethink your career path. Right. So they make these guys like sort of important for like a month. They suck, and then they all like they abandon the whole thing early like by that the was, end of the year yeah the whole idea was that they were like i've heard that they were like building them up to fight like sean michaels and stuff they on might have. like and i was like huh um, like, yeah i mean sal sincere is the only one that hung on yeah he was and, there until he was tom brandy and the thing with this is it's all connected to jim Cornette because yeah, they, these were all guys, smoky mountain people yeah and, and i think that most the, of them were i the only reason i'm nominating it is because it was just such a fucking weird thing that didn't work out yeah and as it was presented it just led to like more jobbers yeah in a time when it was starting to become like the last straw of this shit that's true like it was i remember that the episode right before or episode or two right before the pimpins got a gun Mm -hmm. and russo formally took control that'd be like late october these guys were like still there weren't they yeah, they were still there throughout the end of 96. Yeah, I just remember the, that episode before, like, featuring them, and it sucked. Uh, like Most things with them sucked. Yeah, totally. I'm yeah. totally with you there. And so, like, that's why I'm nominating them, because they were okay. just weird aberration, and I don't know really the why the fuck, like, in Vince McMahon, I've, I've heard, like, screwed it all up anyway, because he got tired of it. Yeah, he botched what Cornette wanted to do to begin with. Right. Cornette's original idea is probably a bit better, still mm-hmm. a little out of place. But I got a volley one to you on that. Yeah. Before we can put those guys in, I think they're going to make it. Don't worry. Yeah. It was horrible as a fan, and I was 10, and I knew it was bad. <laughs> the pug that especially. That should tell you he something. He was the worst one. Before I volley, even though it's unrelated, I just want to mention who, the Jim Neidhart character. <laughs> well, that's just stupid. It was a yeah. dumb joke, but that yeah. was still bad. Yeah. Uh, but back to the, uh, <laughs> the thing I was going to say. One of the worst things, Quinn, Billionaire Ted. Yeah. Yeah, I think that will make it easily. That might be number that, one. Yeah, that might be number one. This it's is, just not good. Vince at doesn't all. play well when he's when he feels threatened. Yeah, no shit. And also when he's trying to make mean spirited jokes that are irrelevant and dumb. Yeah, like the fan like, again, ten years old. Yeah, didn't get the jokes he was going for. No one cared. You talk about competition. Do you realize how many lives I've destroyed? Do you have any idea how many companies I've put out of business? I have a greater power than you can possibly fathom. You know how there's some kids in school that are just bad at, like, making fun of people somehow? Like, they're like, (laughs) they just can't think of, like, the right thing to say that's a real sick burn. Yeah. Like, they end up saying something stupid that makes them look dumb. Right. That's what Vince McMahon is. Well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. It's just dumb like it makes vince look dumb it's not the mm-hmm. other way around like he thought he was getting a real sick burn on right. billionaire ted over there no one cared meanwhile nitro started kicking their asses in the summer the thing is is you know it's you want to do it once and be like oh look we're making fun of hogan and savage for being old and mean gene you know he's yep. scheme gene fine do it once but nitro had the sickest of the burns by just giving the fucking results of the show <laughs> like how do you beat that 
That's there you go. You nailed it, Quinn. Like, you nailed it. Nitro, they were just cool in general. It was in nineteen ninety six. Honestly. Before Raw was war, Raw was taped. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's true. And Bischoff was ethical or not, you know, because Bischoff's a scumbag back then. Yeah. As a human He's back fine then. Now. He's fine I now. have no problem with him. But hey, they had a sicker burn than making fun of a few old guys, man. They yeah. gave away the results of their damn show. Right. I like fuck can't beat that. Fuck you, yeah. basically. It's like you want to make billionaire Ted skits. Well, Pierce the Goldust beats this guy. Shawn <laughs> yeah. Michaels beats this guy. Something like, with Yokozuna. Something with Goldust yeah. and Yokozuna. You want to put it on? Yeah, it was just bad. They they were fighting fire with a like, stick, like a cup. <laughs> I, I, like I like I don't know what they with just a nothing. Bic lighter. Yeah, fighting fire with a big lighter. Yeah, for number one, the billionaire Ted skits. Die! 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 I, I'm still with you on the horribleness of those four jobbers that we mentioned. I, they were just so out of place and bizarre. They are. Do you think that that's worse, you think, than Fake Razor and Diesel? Um, No. Okay. Because Fake Razor and Diesel, I think when I watch it back, it feels like there was like true intentions to make that to, into something. Like right. that felt like it had certain potential and yeah. they screwed it all up. Right. Okay. And I think it was just presentation. I think by linking it to Bitter Jr. was was part of the problem. <laughs> that was weird, yeah, yeah. Bitter Jr. should be like another one. Yeah, I mean, I've heard mostly negative reaction to the Jr. heel turn. It's something I never want to see. Yeah. Like we like Jr. Yeah, we don't Everyone, need him. Nobody ever didn't like Jr. So making Jr. a heel is bad. It was bad. over like pettiness. Yeah, essentially, exactly. Now, it, did it lead to you know some funny lines from him? You know, griping at McMahon, of course. But overall, you don't want to heal Jr. It was just weird. It made him ineffective for like a month. Like yeah, the whole because that's how long it lasted. They like realized they fucked up with that. Pretty quick. <laughs> they knew they fucked up. Yeah, I lead the National Football League for a toga. It's crap. Yeah, they changed it back. You know, okay, here's something bad. Here's something bad. Here's here. This might be worse than anything. Maybe except for the four jobbers. Yeah. The ultimate warrior. Yeah, that was bad. They hype it for months leading up to WrestleMania 12. Listen, I was sold. Me I was too. like, fuck yeah, the ultimate warrior. Like, everything sucks right now anyway. Yep. We <laughs> need the ultimate warrior. Like, <laughs> like, it seemed like a valid, like. Right. Now, you know how we were talking about fighting fire with fire? Like, they have Hulk Hogan. Well, fuck, fuck you. We have the ultimate exactly. warrior. Like, that's, right. like, that's something, right? That, that seemed like a, a cogent idea. It's, it seemed, like, foolproof, to right. be honest with you, because the ultimate warrior was, like, up there with Hogan in popularity. Sure. So, and why would that not work? It would have been foolproof if it hadn't been a fool that they were bringing back. Right. And so, it, it comes down to the ultimate warrior himself. You can't hedge your bets on him, especially by yeah. the mid-90s. Right. And, uh, you know, he did, what, th- four months? That was it. He was there for four... He wouldn't four... show up for shit. And he wasn't showing up for shit in 1992 one or one or two, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Always on the outs with McMahon since 91. Yeah. The 92 comeback was like a wash, you mm-hmm. know? And then 96, he tries again. He was literally good for his debut and maybe the the night after on Raw. I will say, and the debut was excellent. Like, I loved it. Yeah. Like, I was like, fuck yeah, beat the shit out of Triple H. H. He stinks anyway. Yeah, he sucks. And like, like he just press slams his ass and, and jumps on him. I'm like, great. Ultimate Warrior's back. Fine. Yeah, that was like old school Warrior. Like, But then he's got the hat on and he's feuding with Jerry Lawler. And Goldust. And- it's like, what the fuck? Now, I don't think anywhere in any time in history had anybody seen the Ultimate Warrior wearing a baseball cap. It looks so out of place. 
why is first of all why wasn't he like in the main event know. immediately that's what i mean they have him come back and they feed him with jerry fucking lawler yeah it's like, come on we waited all this time for the ultimate like they were like he's the best he's he's better than hogan like yep. the ultimate warrior is so cool like it felt also like the warrior made more sense in 96 because he was supposed to be like the the wrestler of the 90s yeah in, like 1990 yeah yeah so it's like okay so now the warrior seems cool and he's got comic books and, and he curses he says ass now he says ass now <laughs> i'm gonna kick your ass <laughs> and he's like more like this mystic warrior but it weirdly like it made sense with that like spawn type yeah, of comic he books calmed that down com- a little too yeah he was he was just like this could work right and immediately he's just i'm not showing up for work i i feud with jerry lawler i stink like, yeah like they didn't do him favors either with the booking it was like a mutually horrible relationship there was there. a moment where i thought oh he's gonna win the intercontinental title against Goldust. should have fuck did they screw that up just win it like what the fuck yeah win it for a few months lose it back to Goldust. have ahmed win it they wanted ahmed have him win it a little bit later yeah and then have ultimate warrior move up to the main event right again. i don't know how they botched that but that might be because we we bring up you know the disappointment factor yeah that's the most disappointing thing of 96 i think it sucks i want that on because i i just i felt like i was robbed as a kid like i was like okay when i i just missed the ultimate warrior by like a year or two yeah a couple of years couple of years right mm-hmm. and i saw him on tapes and i was like he like wrestlemania 6 one of my favorite events so yeah. i was like Oh, even back then it was yeah, one of my yeah, favorite events. And I was just like, we get him in real life. Now. We get the real, like, yeah. the ultimate warrior. This right. is awesome. Right. And Nothing. no, fuck you. Like, Did you basically, say it sucks? It sucks. It sucks. All right. Yeah. <laughs> For number uh, two, the ultimate warrior. Die, die, die. All right, Quinn. So we're, we're moving along here swimmingly. We yeah. got two more spots open. We've got uh, the. Do you want, we want to put in the Freddie Joe Floyd and all <laughs> them yet? Yeah, I think that's. I that, think we just that's, that's like, going. it's a pretty quick like you're fucking right we we talked about it already I, I don't know okay. what can it was just a disaster you're right Quinn yeah it's an absolute disaster for number three those four fucking gimmick jobbers die 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 okay what what's our number four here I still think fake razor and diesel should be number four um it's pretty poopy it is pretty poopy now there's also like the new rockers what do you think of them pretty poopy but not as poopy as the uh, fake Razor and Diesel. Fake Razor and Diesel is really not good. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. It does suck, doesn't it? it it's really bad. Yeah. Because as a kid... I don't, I don't know what can top it. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. we've now we're at this weird point where we've talked about probably the four worst things that we're kind of like... Yeah. That, yeah ooh, we're becoming Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I think that fake razor and diesel yeah. is uh easily number four i think so uh folks let us know what you think that's where you come in let us know on facebook or twitter yeah. what we might have forgotten because we can't think of everything obviously but i'm with you Quinn. i think that's one of the worst things yeah the fake razor and diesel thing was weird as a kid i was like why this isn't them i don't get it yeah and looking back it had potential but they just they didn't present yeah. it right and i agree with you you could throw in the heel jr into that mix because he brought them in that whole package there was just it was terrible they did bad okay yeah. For number four, Fake Razor and Diesel with Heel JR. Yeah. Die, die, die. All right, let's recap for Donnie real quick. The four worst, the Death Valley of 1996 would be the Billionaire Ted skits, the Ultimate Warriors botched return, mm-hmm. the four gimmick jobbers, yeah. <laughs> and the Fake Razor and Fake Diesel. That is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of 1996. Thank you, AJ Smith. And folks, let us know what you think. Quinn, when we come back, we're going down to the south because we are reviewing something. Yes, we are. Back after this. 
Right now, let's talk to Ahmed Johnson, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Yokozuna. About the five minutes. You know, it gets right down to it. The games have stopped. The men are stepping up and taking their best shots. Well, I'm going to tell you something about uh, Revelations the Snake. He's a little hissed off at the way you boys been behaving. Now, WrestleMania, you should have read the fine print, brother. You got what you wanted, and I know what you're going to do. <laughs> you know what, Jake? I'm so sick of these boys jumping me, jumping you, jumping Yoko behind our backs. Be a man. Face up these responsibilities. Come and get it face to face. Vader! All in it, Bulldog. When you guys are done, it's you, Jim Cornette. I hired you, and I will fire you with one Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Episode number 72. Hey, Quinn. Yeah? We're reviewing something. Wow. Wow. This was uh, this was good. It was a request. I think it was decent. It was pretty good. You, all right. Well, we'll save it for the end. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I, I, I said decent. I didn't... I said it was good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Filippo requested this, and uh, he wanted us to do, folks, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yes. March 19th, 1994. Now... And the onset of this show, Quinn, this podcast that we've been doing for all mm. these episodes. Mm-hmm. All these years. All these years. You and I were somewhat um, averse and maybe a little critical of Jim Cornette, motherfucker, wrestling, motherfucker, old school, motherfucker. <sighs> yeah, it stemmed from more just I was mad that Cornette was just resistant to change in general. Right. But at the same time, I think we've come around a lot on stuff like Smoky Mountain Wrestling, his his baby there. We have. And um, some of the Southern Wrestling, because of Continental, I think, Continental's did it for really us. Good. Yeah. I'm still not sold on Memphis, but maybe we'll get there one day. Yeah, but I think Memphis is a long, drawn out, like, you have to be there day to day. It's like watching paint dry. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like then good stuff happens. Right. Like, from my understanding, it's, it's like the characters are very fleshed out. And sure, the, and the very, blow, very the, fleshy. The blow-offs are very awesome. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. True, sure, so. it's a good point. Uh, but we've come around a bit on Southern wrestling, and uh, that's why OVP is good for our education in right. terms of professional wrestling, Quinn. But that's true. March 1994, it's uh, a couple of years after the, the last one that we did when we finally did a Smoky Mountain uh, several, several decades mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Um, and this is March 1994. Just to bring you up to speed in WWF land, this is the day before WrestleMania 10. For some context. Aha, I didn't realize that. Day before WrestleMania really? 10. March? March year? 20th, yeah. Wow. From MSG. But here we're from the um, the Dungannon Elementary School in Dungannon, Virginia. <laughs> what a name, first of all. Dungannon, <laughs> second of all, elementary school. <laughs> Not even a high school. Third of all, you can see the fucking windows. Like, you can. Like, and the cafeteria, practically. Yeah, and the lunch yeah. ladies heating up them tater tots. Yeah. Uh, we get a crappy regional intro, as, well, as I always say. It, looked, it sounds like it's from 1983, but the footage is current. It's that, like, It sounds very much like coming up on Sports Channel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it actually sounds like some weird like um 
television show, like a soap opera television show or something kind for of. some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of does. You know, I wonder if, you know, this is elementary school and all. I wonder if this is after art class or one of those things, like yeah, sack. This is probably like school. a, f- I'm, I'm going to guess, uh, and I'm, in all seriousness, this might have had something to do with a fundraiser of some kind. It could have. There could have been brownies being made. A bake sale. <laughs> a bake sale, exactly. Yeah. Selling porcelain ducks. Yeah. Uh, Bob Caudle, I love Bob Caudle, and Dirty Dutch or Dr. Dutch Mantel. He's a doctor us. here. He's a doctor. I don't know really why, but okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi, wrestling fans. I'm Bob Cotter, along with Dr. Dutch Mantel. Dutch draws a name out of his hat, like literally takes off his hat and draws a name out to see who's going to face Killer Kyle. And the uh, the lucky winner is Mike Furness. Now, okay, I may be wrong, Yeah. So, but I want to throw it out here. I think the deal here... Mm-hmm was that whatever this this match is for or whatever mm-hmm. was determined by a draw by Dutch yes, every week. That's correct. So like So Dutch is drawn Mike Furnace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More on him and no it is not Doug Furnace. Uh it is not Furnace from Furnace and Philip Lafon. Yeah. So we uh we go to our opening match here, which is Larry Santo, which for some reason I recognize that name, but I don't know why. I feel like I've seen yeah. him job on something. On before. something. Yeah. Versus Bobby Blaze, who is a you know, a pretty much a smoky mountain wrestler, southern wrestler. I hate him. Why is that? Because he just looks stupid. He does like look it's stupid. just trying too hard, like, like a the rock and rebel brush everything. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy sucks. Mark Curtis is the ref in his suspenders. Quinn, I you are it. very supportive of Mark Curtis. Very high on Mark Curtis here. I think this is the best Mark Curtis. First of all, he's a midget, but he looks like jacked. Like he does for some dumb reason. I don't know why. There's like veins well, popping out of his arms and stuff. Well, I don't know if you know this, and if you don't, there's no shame in that. But uh, Mark Curtis was a wrestler. Uh-huh. Brian Hildebrand is his real name. That and makes he was, sense. He was a worker as well, usually under a mask. Okay. He was Cowabunga at one point. That one time on the unfinished DVD? No, 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 not that. Like the southern gimmick of Cowabunga. Oh, there was okay. another Turtles, not the Toxic Turtles. Aha, uh-huh. I thought this was the Toxic Turtles. Different, different turtle, believe it or not. <sighs> Interesting. Uh, so not only was he a WCW ref under the name Mark Curtis, but he was also a Smoky Mountain ref, a okay, worker. Okay, so it makes sense why he's jacked. And a great mullet. Usually mullets aren't great. Listen, he might have the best mullet on this show. What do you think of his suspenders? I think they make him look cool and unique and like... I wish more refs would have like a signature thing like that. Like authoritative, right? Yeah, like this this is my referee thing, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It's like you don't have to wear a belt. You know that's like optional, right? Like that's you can true. wear a belt or suspenders. Why does no one choose the suspenders? You know what? That's a really good point. Yeah. That would make you stand out more. It certainly doesn't Mark Curtis. Like, if referees wearing suspenders was illegal, then you might as well ban them wearing belts because it's the same thing. Keeping the pants up. Yep. Blaze with a big start as Dutch rates some moves today. So we get a 2.3 as a picture in picture helpfully points out from yep. a, a Blaze like drop so, kick. Yeah, he's writing actual numbers and rating the moves the whole show, by and, the way. Yeah, and we're getting a picture in picture of the card that he's writing it on. Yeah, basically. And Dutch has to call for the person to turn the picture. Oh, picture let's get on. that here. <laughs> yeah, he, multiple times. Yes. Like, put the camera on. What is it? What do you got out of the, the ring? Santa with a headlock as the announcers talk about the endless, ongoing Bullet Bob Armstrong versus Jim Cornette feud. Which I loved. It's like fun. It's it's good. Classic. I, yeah, I, the more I've watched Smoky Mountain, yeah. the more I've liked some of this stuff. It, yep. it, this is such a stupid feud, but like it's also oddly makes sense. It like, makes sense, it, yeah. There's nothing weird, like, wrong about they it or anything. just don't like each other. Yeah. Nothing, nothing deep, really. Mm-hmm. They just don't like each other. Armbar by Blaze, but Santos punches him. That gets an 8.6. The punch high, does. High rating from for Dutch. a punch from Dutch. <laughs> but I, I have a, uh, I'm guessing there's a tint of, like, heel, heel bias. Yeah. Maybe here. Thing going on here. Blaze with a corner splash, but he misses a second one, and then we get a Northern Lights suit play by Blaze for the win with a slightly fast count from Curtis. I thought it was a little too fast. Little too I thought fast. The, the number, the two part of the count 
came yeah. fast. It was like the one was in time, and then it was like like two, and then yeah. the third was like I don't know how you even do that, but maybe he should have been the ref for the Hogan Sting match at Starcade '97, and it would have actually been a fast count. You would have sort you was you would have somehow <laughs> found a way to say it was too slow because of the normal one, the fast two, and the normal three. Now, if it's the same overall for the three counts, is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if it's like one, two? Three. Yeah, That's you, not really a you fast keep count. that consistency. Hey, I'm just saying that would be hard to keep that because I'm pretty sure he's just messed up or something here. Like, <laughs> I think so. Bob Cottle is with Bullet Bob Armstrong and his commissioner shirt. Clint. Yes, I love this. So Bob Armstrong, I've always noticed this in these Smoky Mountains. He has this one like flannel shirt. He does with a tie, short sleeved, and his suspenders also. Yep, and his uh, big glasses. Yes, yeah, big Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> Literally, yep. And it it just seems like he's always doing shit and like in a good way right? yes now i've got contracts signed for the rest of the month of april so right. what i've done is i've appointed alternate teams he's like, going over the logistics for uh, april 1st he's talking it, about contracts yeah. and like you know we have to do this because this is going to happen like all of it sounds real and official unlike tunny is like <laughs> do to the thing with the thing it's like he would only show up he would only show up when like something needed a ruling there's not only gonna they're never fucking again where there'll be three <laughs> members of demolition never fucking again will be there be amphibians by the ring like it's, it's like all these like weird like situations that yeah. jack tunny shows up this fucking guy's like nope this match has to happen because we only have a contract on this guy yeah, until this good. date and it's like what the and like well have to switch these matches up he's like talking about all this what a good commissioner very good commissioner by the way though he hates jim Cornette. he he manages to to just nudge that in there a little it's like all this stuff that is like seems like real business and fuck you jim (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) one of those times i'm gonna get my hands around his throat and i'm gonna squeeze him so hard both of his ears may fly off now last week tammy fitch that of course would be tammy sitch Mm -hmm. sunny and dirty white girl had some issues so apparently you know there was an interview going on tammy and uh, dirty white girl face to face and tammy here decides to rip off her clothes to rip off dirty's clothes well dirty white girl's blouse to be exact (laughs) her blouse not to be confused with the Shawn michaels blouse now from dx we know tammy made it to the wf i'm surprised the uh dirty white girl didn't because she's pretty beautiful also yeah i don't know if vince might have an aversion to southern accents i'm not even being funny uh, they could have made well. Her name was Dirty White Girl. I mean, like they could have just like made her like trashy or something. They could like, have, and that could have been part of the game. Like Jamie right. Noble Boy. Yeah, and exactly. Nidia. Exactly. And like Nidia. they did it with Nidia. She would wear like you know like um, like short. Um, she looked like a meth commercial. <laughs> she wore those those short jean shorts. Yes, jean the Daisy Dukes. Yeah, Daisy I know what you Dukes, mean. Yeah, she looked like crap. Yeah. Anyway, Dirty White Boy comes in to make the save, kind of, and he he's awesome. He's like, I'm gonna kill someone. Yeah. He says, "Son of a bitch." I mean, yeah, very what edgy. The- hell very edgy Jim Cornette yeah it's good so this week hey dirty white boy Tony Anthony that's right T.L. Hopper himself he's pissed yes very he talked to Bullet Bob and he said that on April 1st he's having a back alley brawl him and dirty white girl against Tammy Fitch and primetime Brian Lee the only way to win Quinn is get him naked Joe, I feel like they're selling me a porn here or something, right? In the best possible way, Michael. It's weird. It's like, like we're going to rip damn clothes off there. He says BVDs and everything. Like, he does say BVDs. This, a slight this, Fruit of the Loom reference. This feels like glow or something. <laughs> like where yeah, It's I like a, a little dirty a little and I'm, dirty. Not, I'm not sure. I mean, there is a dirty white girl and a dirty, and a dirty white, white boy. boy. A dirty boy. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very interesting times here going on. Yeah, and there's, you know, Hillary Clinton girl. Yes, and a very weird version of brian lee like he's yeah. in transition 
Yeah, he's kind of becoming dirtier, but he's coming from the like I'm a big primetime prime superstar time Hollywood. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm a big deal. Yeah. But he's starting to look more like Chains, but with blonde hair. Right. He hasn't quite made it to Chains no, yet, or fake Undertaker status. Right. Let's go to our next match, Quinn. It is Killer Kyle versus Mike Furness. Yes, uh, Killer Kyle. He stinks. He is horrible. He, I, I hate Killer Kyle. You have a problem with him, right? He's like a crappy Mr. Hughes. Like, cause he's yeah. got the like white shirt on right. and, like, and, uh, and gangster Dickies. Pants. <laughs> Dickies, yes. Yeah, Are the Dickies or Dockers, he, you think? I don't know. But all I know is he's supposed to, like you said, be a mobster character. But he's he just sucks. not very good. He's and, very bad at wrestling. Stupid name. It sounds like, like, if you had a friend named Kyle, like, that's what his wrestling name in your, like, fake federation in your elementary school. <laughs> which I guess it all makes sense then. It all makes sense. Now, now Mark Furness, though, or whatever his name is, Mike Furness, Doug Furness. Yeah. He has crappy orange tights. They're like just football tights or well, some shit. He comes out with like a football jersey. So I'm, I'm not, they're supposed they're alluding to he went to like Tennessee College or something. Who and, cares? And he was some kind of football man over there. Good for him. The, the typical football man thing, you know, like um, what's that guy in WWF now that I hate the the bald guy Mojo? Yeah, Mojo Raleigh. Yeah, he he's mi- always. A I like guy. football, Mister Football. There's always and Jr. If you were around, you know, I uh, went to Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> Two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, scholarship, scholarship. Uh, played linebacker. Makes a damn good uh, roasted pig. Also, you know, football positions are confusing. Jared would just like list off positions. Nose guard, like, right tackle, offensive guard, lineman, cornerback. Like, I don't know what that is. No like one does, no one Like knows. I just watch it. It's like, is he on defense or is he on offense? And is he the quarterback or not? Do we even know what a catch is anymore? There's yeah. so many rules. <laughs> yeah. Mark Curtis still the ref. A big side slam by Kyle, but Furnace moves in, moves on an elbow drop. Right. Crappy clotheslines by Furnace. Furnace wins. Right. I want to repeat this here. Furnace wins with a shoulder block. Yes. And now this is where weird details yes. come in. Like, so okay. Kyle flips out and we're like, okay, dude, it's chill. It's, it's just a match. Yeah. It's just like the one off. Right. Yeah. The fluke victory, right? Back, backstage or like off to the side, technically like near yeah. the, near the school supplies. Bob Cottle <laughs> is with Mike Furnace. Who sounds like he's eating a bag of Wonder Bread when he talks. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, they're so great. Yeah. I got to humble myself with this, and it's unbelievable. I don't even know what it, really what went on. It's- but what we find out, apparently, is that he just won the TV title? Wait, what? What? <laughs> so, now it all makes sense now that we're reviewing it. The TV title is a title determined by a drawing that Dutch does. Yes. Because he's like the head of the TV, I guess, because of the Dirty Dutch show and all that yeah, crap. Yeah, it's a show. So he draws the name out of the hat, but this right. is the TV title. So I guess whoever the number one contender is, their name gets drawn out of a hat. Right, right, right. But there's a TV title, but there's no belt. And like That's he, the thing. He, it looks like, by the way, he has the paper in his hand that was his name drawn out of the the, the hat. Yeah. Like, Maybe so that's the belt. The belt is your drawing. <laughs> they should and have gotten they, Reggie Parks. next week... They put maybe they put Killer Kyle hands back in his paper, goes into Dutch's hat, and then it just rotates. And then when the bell rings, they all play seven up. Which honestly, now that I'm like thinking about this and like logistically Don't talking it, it out then. in the no. review, here we go. Don't do it. That's not a bad gimmick. I, I just wish there was a belt. That's all. Michael Quinn is one of the most apologetic people for bad gimmicks and what? angles, and I like that. Oh, come it's on. A compliment right into uh, our vantage point, Retro Wrestling Podcast, you know, the email or whatever the plugs. Go back to when Joe gives the plugs right now on your <laughs> pod player. Yeah, go ahead. Get all the addresses and everything. And right. send me if you agree that this idea of a random drawing for the TV title is a good thing. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Now, as Dutch and Bob sit at their giant oak desk, 
Quinn and I took a moment and discussed how we really like this commentary team. It's good. It's friendly, welcoming, warm Bob Cottle from yeah. the NWA, like always a solid guy. With Dirty Dutch, who's obnoxious, like a Jesse the Body style like, here. Yeah, like a Jesse the Body Southern version, Southern mention, Fried Ventura. Not to mention, like you said, they got their oak desk with the nice picture, a painting of the Smoky Mountains yes. on the front. It, <laughs> it is. It's great, really. It's with the logo warm. in the yep. back. Like, yep. it's perfect. Yep, I totally agree with you. So we see a clip now from recently which looks like 1982 because of the cameras and the lighting. So our only tip off that this isn't old is because of the fact that um, Mark Curtis is the ref. Yeah, in the same outfit too. Because the the, the participants could have easily been in oh 1982. We get it's basically a clip of the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Versus not the Midnight's because they're gone. The Heavenly Bodies. This is the Jimmy Del Rey. But both those guys are like version. look like they're sixty three yeah. all the time. <laughs> exactly. So. And wrestling tights. Jim Cornette is on the outside, like the red, like yeah, spandex. which even makes you think like, whoa, this is really yeah. from the eighties because I remember those Cornette had those tights. Exactly. And it's a tornado tag from one of the peers. Hey. All four guys are in the ring, and Mark Curtis doesn't care. Yeah. And we hear that two minutes remain as Morton clings onto his sleeper on Dr. Tom yeah. while Gibson is like dicking around with Del Rey. And Mark Curtis, the hardworking referee, that I know he is. he's like back and forth, like, okay, there's a sleeper hold there's here, a there's pin. a pin attempt here, <laughs> back and forth, like da da da. Doing he, awesome. He's trying to raise the arm, and then that he he's like, he stops. Goes and tries to check on the, the pin going on over there, but then he runs back and uh, resumes raising the arm for the sleeper. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, Mark Hard Curtis. Hard worker, man. Like, holy shit. Give this man a raise. Yeah. Apparently, this is 58 minutes in, according to Bob Cottle. Yes. So wow. this is this is a marathon match, is what they yes. call it, which is essentially an Ironman Iron match. So most falls get the win. Yep. So basically, Cornette slides in while Mark Curtis is occupied, because damn, the guy can only do so much. Yeah. But Cornette, this is an awesome gimmick. I, I had personally never seen this before. He comes comes in with an oxygen mask and tank and <laughs> gives it to Dr. Tom. Yeah, it's and, awesome. And then even better, he just hits Ricky Morton with it. Right, so not only does Dr. Tom, like, come back to life yes, like, for a awesome. second, and then like, only for a second, because it's only like a, a slight reviver, Right, but now he's using the tank as a weapon, too. <laughs> Perfect. And um, Tom gets the pin for the third fall. It is 3-2 to the bodies, and time runs out just. Bodies get the victory, yeah, right? That's it. The bodies win. Backstage, Jim Cornette and the bodies, right after the match, are all dead but victorious and yeah, they're like they're sharing the oxygen <laughs> tank so good the best is like del rey in the left side like he's like <sighs> he's just like motioning for the every time it gets taken away from him yes. so his part so dr tom can get it rock and roll express we proved one more time we're not only in better shape we can go an hour and not even feel it but also that we're the better tag team because we beat you three falls to two in the marathon match and the same thing's gonna happen at the bluegrass brawl april the first god and i know this isn't even like this is good Southern wrestling here. I know it's not the best that there is a Smoky yeah. Mountain, but 94 is a good year for them. Yeah. I apologize publicly now for anything I ever said about it's this smart fed. shit. Yeah. It is really good, but it would not have worked past around 1996. Right. Wouldn't have worked in the Attitude Era. No. It's all the It's all the same tricks that even like Bobby the Brain was doing. Sure. Like, this it's, is it's like goofy stuff. T- tried and true. Yeah. But it wasn't it, innovative. We're on the cusp of like that stuff being passe, yes. which explains back to WWF 96, why Jim Cornette was like, well, this stuff's working. So let me try to do that yeah. in WWF. And like, it just it's like, have... now it's 1996, Jim Cornette. And nobody <laughs> yeah. wants to hear this crap. As, as Vince Russo said on yep. Livewire. This is 1996, Jim Cornette. You hear me? 
Let's go to Bob Caudle, who's with a very dubiously dressed Rock and Roll Express. They look ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And they're like 35, 38, and they look How? old as shit. Always. I, I, still boggles my mind. They look so old, and they are very much right. really the age that they should be wrestling. Yes. Like, as in 35 years old. Like, they are in the prime of their lives. Yes, like, they are. Quite yeah. literally. And even crazier, Quinn, was last week we reviewed that Superstars from 1998. Yeah. Four years later, right? So this is four years earlier than we saw them last week, and they don't look any younger. They just look the same. <laughs> like, they s- but they, but back then the problem is, is that they look like they're fifty something. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, they say nothing of importance, by yeah. the way. The only time they ever looked young was that one time at like a Halloween Havoc or something when Ricky <laughs> Morton like had short hair and he sh- like he was clean shaven. Yes, I remember that. Like, what the hell? They they're just. Old looking dudes, I guess. Yeah, right? he looked like he was like from the Eagles in the nineties, in Ew. with that short haircut. Joe Walsh. Yeah, so he we, did. He looked like a young Joe Walsh. Ew. We get it down and dirty with Dutch Mantel, Doctor Dutch Mantel, the doctor. It's an interview segment. It's basically their Piper's Pit, if right. you want to consider it that. And he's with Tammy Fitch mm, and Tammy. Brian Lee. Yeah, Tammy. Tammy says this is a strip the clothes match that's coming up on April 1st. Now, I always, it's a little charming how rough around the edges Tammy is in, yeah. in Smoky Mountain. She's, she's like, great, though. She knows her, it's like she's on the ball with it, but the, sometimes when she says things, they're like, her syntax is a little weird. Yeah, like she's like, I sort of understand, like, I, I, I get how to produce heat and stuff. Mm hmm. But I, sometimes the terms get me lost, yeah. with, like with Tammy. That's like how I think that her mentality is. Like I agree with you. You yeah. know, and watching this, I I think I said it to you at the time. It's such a sad thing that that her career got derailed by drugs and stuff because yeah, she's good. She is so young too, and yeah. imagine imagine her having a ten year career. Right. She had essentially of really being important maybe five years. First of all, that's a good butterfly effect. Because here's the thing is, Mm. I think if Tammy was healthy and not, you know, having problems with the drugs, fuck Sable. They wouldn't have gone that because she she was cuter. She was much more talented. Much more talented. So she had the talent and the looks. She She would have trumped Sable immediately. I would think so. That was the thing. She was awesome. Yeah. Tammy Sitch had so much talent. Not in in ring talent, but you know, like, she knew how wrestling worked. And knew the business. Yeah. She was very smart. And a Jersey girl, too, which I always like. (laughs) She basically calls Dirty White Girl a whore. Well, that's fine. And then Dirty White Girl just storms out to attack her, but Brian Lee holds her back. Dirty White Boy makes the save very funny. Like, Tammy's, like, pointing to him, and Brian Lee's like, what? And Dirty White Boy (laughs) sneaks up on him. It's good. Good stuff. And then we get to see Brian Lee's underpants, a.k.a. wrestling trunks, which leads Quinn to bring okay, up a great so point. this is really stupid. Yep. These these men get strip matches, so usually they're always just wearing their right. wrestling trunks. Yeah, this is a sport where men wrestle in their underpants usually. Yes. But in these matches where someone has to get stripped, they're wearing clothes so that right. they can get stripped down in their underpants that they wrestle in anyway. I don't understand. So what the fuck? Like, why is that like a stake at all? It shouldn't be in, I mean, in these kind of matches. How is it even embarrassing? Yeah. Like normally, like you're wearing more clothes than normal. Yeah. And then you're going to get taken down to normal. My favorite is when they sell it. After oh, the they, sell. Like the sell God. went, especially when a, the, ne- the next night or the night before, they would have just been like come out in their underwear. Right, exactly. Fight. Like that's the bet. Like. That's funny. It's so good. And Bobby Heenan, I don't know if he ever did like a tuxedo match, but I can only imagine Bobby Heenan selling a tuxedo match. You know what yeah, I mean? Or something yeah. like that. It would have been really funny. Uh, Bob Caudle is backstage with Jim Cornette. 
He says the Rock and Rolls are losing this Loser Leaves Town match that's coming up um, mm-hmm. on April 1st against the Bodies. And you said a great thing about Loser Leaves Town. They always had that when they needed to get rid of somebody. Yeah, it's like a constant thing in the territories. Yep. Like whenever, like, it's usually only with the big acts, I find. Yeah. If some one of your bigger acts are heading to WWF or WCW mm-hmm. or some crap like that, mm-hmm. it's usually like loser leaves town. Yep. Like, and it's like that's your cue to know like somebody's getting the hell out of here. Exactly. And I actually don't know off the top of my head who lost this loser leaves town. But I looked it up. Actually, was the, it bodies the bodies lost. Yeah, it. yeah, I figured it was the bodies, and they lost the tag titles in the process. Makes sense. So. Yeah, because I don't remember the Rock and Rolls leaving because the bodies were in WWF for a while. Yeah, so the bodies like went to WWF. That was the yeah, thing. exactly. Uh, Cornette in a funny moment here calls Bob Armstrong a redneck <laughs> and. <laughs> threatens to bring in Yokozuna or perhaps Abdullah the Butcher to help what, him. What a weird combination yeah, I know. of two people. Very fat combination yeah. of two people. It's about eight people. A lot of a lot of pants. <laughs> a lot of pants. Forks. Yeah. Two ringside with fire and brimstone in the ring. And you know they're jobbers. Like, you just look God. at them. It's two guys in the red bodysuit with the red mask and you're like, well, they're losing. Yeah, and their uh, their team name, Quinn? The Infernos. Yeah, huh. wonderful. <laughs> but they're fighting a team making their debut in Smoky Mountain. Okay. Here we and go. it is the Thrill Seekers, folks. And if you've never heard of them, it is two great wrestlers. I'll give a, I'll give the other guy that. Lance Storm and his sorry-looking ducktail. Horrible talker, fantastic wrestler. Excellent talent, great trainer, knows great the tra- business. Yep. No, uh, seriously, this guy, he has it all but the voice. He's, and just boring, boring personality. Surprised they never like, gave him a good manager in his entire career. You would like, think, right? You would think, like, here's this tremendous talent. Tremendous. Let's, like, let's give him somebody to talk for him I because know. he can't talk. Jericho, though, is his partner. And He's Jericho, the total package. He's everything. Yep. He looks like Chris Jericho yep. already, too. He doesn't look weird. He looks like WCW Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Young Chris Jericho. Yep. Um, Mark Curtis, the only ref. Quinn, he's still the ref. He's going, man. I think he, he's the only ref, he's right? Got, he's, he's got He's got to do everything, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Lance Storm starts off with wrestling because he's a wrestler, but he has some cool moves in there. We get a springboard crossbody from the rope there from Storm. Mm-hmm. Then he tags in Jericho, who uses some karate yeah. I never saw that out of Jericho. Was that an early thing he used to do? I I think that they're um they're hyping that they're from Japan in the first place. That okay. they wrestled in Japan because I know Jericho was in the uh, Super Junior. Thingy, yes, he was. Majingi. in ninety four. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe he was in. He was definitely in ninety five. Yeah. I think so. And he was a big big talent in Japan. You yeah. know. Um, and then a cross corner springboard elbow, and he lands on his feet on the ring apron. Awesome fucking yeah. move. This Great is move. interesting. Um, Smoky Mountain dipping their toe in bringing talent from overseas that are American, obviously, and or Canadian. But I'll give it to Cornette. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to Jim Cornette. They're bringing in these guys. He had an eye for talent. I mean, right. if, if that was him that no- noticed them, this is great. Yeah. Two great wrestlers. One of them went on to be one considered one of the greatest of all time. Might yeah. Some people argue he is in their yeah. eyes. Yeah, and, and I I won't argue against that necessarily. Yeah. I don't. He's not my favorite or anything, but he's up there for me. But he's, he's not there. the greatest. Yeah. But at the same time, he, he's the fact that he's in the discussion. Yeah, is saying it says something, something yeah. here. And here, back in '94, in a freaking elementary school, he's yeah. doing stuff that no one else in the in the promotion was doing. Right. And I'll give him that. So then we get a delayed suit play by Jericho and double leapfrogs by the Thrill Seekers. Big body slam by Jericho. They both do a missile drop kick at the same time to the same guy mm-hmm. to one of the Infernos for the win. Even Dutch has yeah. to give them a nine point nine five for that move. Yeah, and you had a great point. So basically, the old men are kind of fighting for the tag titles. Yeah, well, these guys are starting up. Right, exactly. So like, I, I feel like the stage is set for like once these two stop fiddling around in their you know yeah. hundred year old feud <laughs> over here, that like the thrill seekers are clearly being set up to be to the upstarts something. and take the titles. Right, absolutely. And it's interesting. 
that you mentioned that feud because all the the heavenly bodies rock and roll feud is is just like the continuation of the Midnights, right? You got I, Tom Pritchard, and actually at the beginning of Smoky and, Mountain, the yeah. Midnights were there. Well, it was the it, it was, was the Stan Lane version, but it was wasn't it Stan Lane and with, Tom Pritchard with Tom Pritchard? That was where the link is, and now it's right. Tom Pritchard still, right? But now Jimmy Del Rey, right? So they had to completely like erase the name because Stan Lane's not there. Anymore, yeah, so. but it's the same thing. It's yeah. the same feud. It's Jim Cornette against the Rock That's, and Rolls. And, and, and they it hyped it as an ongoing, like it's a continuation. Yeah. So, but I'm all I'm getting at is that the thrill seekers are clearly the like they're going to beat the shit out of whoever wins this feud. Yes, and I'm glad that the thrill seekers are here and we got to see yeah. them. Uh, Bob Caudill is with them. Lance Storm gives like a Howard Dean esque <laughs> promo speaking. Yeah, like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, and we're ready for more. I hope you can handle it. <laughs> Jericho sounds the same as ever. Like you, you said it, Quinn. It yeah. sounds like he's being sarcastic, right? And so he's not. He's trying to project like a baby face character. But the problem with that for Chris Jericho, and I think it's more like hindsight. Yeah, it's that all I see is someone sarcastically being yeah. happy because that's what jericho does but he didn't mean to be yeah he just he's being the face but he just sounds sarcastic it's yeah. very weird thank you very much bob Cottle. and that was only the tip of the iceberg right here the thrill seekers in smoky mountain wrestling and we are so happy to be here we also get to see landstorm's pp poking out of yeah, his tights what the there. hell those tights know. were way too tight i didn't like that i didn't either uh, it's time for a main event quinn it's a twenty five hundred dollar <laughs> thrilling amount there <laughs> i'm sorry i know that's i would take that right now if someone walked a, it's up to a me. nice amount of money but in like it just wrestling, sounds funny see, here's the thing in wrestling it sounds like small you're supposed time. to overblow the right. amount like it's not supposed to be realistic it's it not be supposed 50, to be like thousand it's not supposed to be like a tax return it's supposed <laughs> to be like a down payment on a car yeah exactly like, you know what i mean like <laughs> yep i agree <laughs> it's my tax return i agree with you they should have at least get in the five figures just twenty five thousand. just add a zero on the end like no, no one will know the difference yeah right? it's it's a check on the thing. They can even write, make it a blank check and just not sign it. See? There you go, Quinn. So it's realistic or whatever. Interesting matchup here. It's Chris Candido before he was Skip mm-hmm. versus, believe it or not, Tracy Smothers before he was Freddie Joe Floyd. Right. So Smothers does some horrible dancing outside during his entrance with his confederate fucking flag and yeah his wee wee is pushing out of his tights as well i like how we only noticed that because of the other two before it's unfortunate it's like it made you look down i by, didn't mean to but yeah. it's just his penis okay, was everywhere let's not let's let it not let's look down anymore here okay I was let's like, just has go ahead cups around here i don't like, know <laughs> these are sports not these are like sports yeah <laughs> We get a shot of the ladder laying outside and the check, which is kind of like clothes pinned up on a clothesline (laughs) on the top of the school. I like that it's a check because it's more realistic it's not a bag of money no anything. no no. it's not a cartoon bag of money <laughs> yeah. it's just a check and uh tracy is uh with some punches to start here and he heads out to fetch the ladder yeah but skip with some overhand chops some others fights back something is happening at papa john's by the way yeah uh, uh, papa john's something yeah. about papa john's i was like wow papa, yeah, john's. papa john's that still existed i guess so some others continues to dominate and sets up the ladder quinn is vindicated folks because this yes, ladder we go is one-sided and it has the paint tray. Thank you. Thank you so much. Why did we never see this? <laughs> like, Smoky Mountain fucking figured it out. You said like, to me, this is the most realistic wrestling you've ever seen. Yeah, because that's what... If you had a ladder at a wrestling event, it wouldn't be, like, double-sided and, like, super tall. It would just be, like, 
you know, the kind you need to use. But it's, like, they took this from the janitor's closet, perhaps? Yeah, like it has the paint tray on <laughs> yes. it. It's, it's not two-sided. <laughs> it's awesome. great. It's fantastic. I loved it. Skip gets caught in the ladder, like with, you know, between the rungs with his neck. Yeah. And uh, Smothers swings him around with it. Pretty cool spot. Mm-hmm. Dutch calls Dirty White Girl the Tanya Harding of wrestling. That was a new <laughs> incident at the time. Not a dated so reference. So it was, you know, that's I'm okay with that if yep. it's not dated. Why? 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 <laughs> Skip finally takes over and whacks the shit out of Smothers with the ladder and into, into the, the paint tray. tray. Yes. Yep. The paint tray gets used. <laughs> now, Bob Caudill might be a little dramatic here. He implies that you can lose a limb from this I match. I don't really know how. I don't like, know. Maybe you can get like a slight laceration maybe from <laughs> yeah. the aluminum on the ladder. but a Cut. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Snap suplex by Skip. Dutch rates that a 9.95 as maybe well. Maybe he's just throwing out the <laughs> 9.95s around here. Maybe he ran out of blank cards and he just had to like use the old it's one. It's like the southern ECW by the way this this whole thing i think you're right this is great this is tightly booked it's yeah. it's exciting television i mean it yeah. really is i mean it was ecw's competitor really at the time like it was this and ecw like that was the two big indie feds big indie exactly yeah. right yeah you're and the totally different things but the yep. same core principles and i know talent went from show to show like back yes. then because they were like i said they're independent so it's not like yeah. nobody's like locked into contracts especially in 94 no especially Maybe 94. later in ecw but in 94 it's like you know, people are just hopping yeah. all over the place. Like, where's their work? The gangsters of EC of ECW got their start in Smoky Mountain. Right. Brian Lee would Chris go on Candido. ECW. Chris Candido, exactly. A lot of people did. Uh, Skip body slams Smothers onto the ladder, but misses a splash onto it. And Quinn and I, as we said earlier, you know, we're just talking about Dutch as a commentator. You had a great point. He's like Honky Tonk Man, except he's saying shit that matters. Right, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not just bullshitting and I'm the greatest intercontinental <laughs> champion of all time. Like, it's actually like... It's it's funny and jokey, but at the same time, it's like no, that was a good move. Yeah. Like oh, that you know that that will work on this part, and like you know what I mean. He's like actually he's getting contributing it <laughs> to the broadcast. Yeah. Exactly. Smothers with a spinning back heel kick, and he goes up for a big double axe back up again, and he hits a shoulder block on Skip. Mm-hmm. Tracy goes up, but Skip climbs the paint tray side. How? Okay. For, I that, was impressed. That, I, I'm impressed because that's fucking dangerous in yes, general. Yes. Second of all, if you notice, like the fucking ladder on that side is it, the aluminum's like bent. Yeah. Like after, like he steps up it, like it is not designed to carry like a two hundred and something pound dude. No, it is not. Yeah. It's not meant to be climbed up. I've never Chris seen Candido that. Chris is a big boy. He's, like, he's a pretty well stout individual. You that's know? what I mean. Stocky. He's stout. He's, he's stocky. very stout and stocky. <laughs> I, I I think he weighs over two hundred, right? He probably does. Yeah, yeah probably about two twenty five. Yeah, maybe that's not the kind of weight small. that the the back of the ladder is designed to carry. I've never even climbed the back of the ladder, and especially the paint tray. That's crazy. The yeah. paint tray. So he goes for a suplex, but he gets thrown off, and Smothers wins. Good nice ending. finish. Fan- fantastic ending. And then Skip decides to kick his ass with the ladder afterwards He's for like, fun. Fuck this! And then, then he that, steals the check. Yeah, he steals the check. He just puts it in his tights. Everyone's yes. just you know with the tights and uh, <laughs> putting again, things in him and ripping clothes yeah. off. Very sexual, Cornette. Yeah. Bob. Well, this had a sexual warning at the beginning. Of the network, <laughs> by the way, it's because of uh, Landstorm's it, dick and uh, putting check in your tights. Well, and Dirty White Girl's blouse getting yeah, ripped. blouse. Remember blouse? Her blouse. <laughs> Bob Cottle's with Tracy Smothers and he assures Tracy that he's spoken to Bob Armstrong and don't worry, Tracy Smothers is getting his money. Oh yeah, That's, that was actually a great little detail. It's like, oh, don't worry, we're gonna like cancel that check. Like, yeah. He doesn't say that, but yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, do they have to go to the bank and cancel the routing number <laughs> and like all this shit or like change accounts or cancel credit cards? Like, I felt like there would have to be some work. I'm glad they addressed it, right? Yeah, but they said that it will be taken it care will of. Be you taken will care get of. another check yep. 
for the $2,500. So don't worry about it, yeah. Tracy. And then for no reason, he's like, yeah, also the South is going to rise again. What? Do we need that? Yeah. Do we need this Leonard Skinner over here? He's not good, by the way, Tracy. Uh, he's Mother. not he's that like good. He's decent in the ring, but That's he it. kind of stinks. He's like... <laughs> He just stinks, Joe. <laughs> I agree with you. He's yeah. not that good. I don't see what the big deal is yeah. with him. What, have, what am I missing? Let me know if you're familiar with Smoky Mountain. The dirty white the boy He's is great. Like, by far the best. And it's a shame that he was a plumber in WWF. I know. Because he's awesome. He's awesome. And in fact, he runs in and they've got, and, and so does what dirty white girl. They're holding Brian Lee's clothes for a minute. Oh, this is funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he just gives a little promo to close out the show. Basically, they're going to kick their ass in the bottom line. When is somebody getting naked? Yeah, it goes off the air. Someone's getting naked. And that's it. Fantastic. That, that was great. Quinn. I thought it was a good show. Yeah. I mean, Smoky Mountain 1994 specifically is very good. Excellent. 93, 92. I 92 think 92 was boring as hell. It, it's more of a development. It's yeah. like we're getting talent and all this. But right. 94 is like, this is peak Smoky Mountain. It would yeah. never get any better than this. The problem with them is that I think they couldn't. This kind of show mm-hmm. could have only been in 1994. Yeah. With this specific talent pool in this specific area. I think it you're right. It had no like longevity. True. It had no like appeal outside of the Smoky Mountains. Yep. Like it, it was just, you know, it was meant to be in elementary schools yep. and for old school Southern fans who I- were. You know, probably not watching wrestling as much anymore. Absolutely. But I will say this was a much more interesting, engaging, and fun to watch, uh, you know, sampling of Smoky Mountain than, than the one we did from 92, you know, several episodes right. back. Mm-hmm. I had fun watching it. And thank you, Philippa, for the request. And folks, thank you so much for staying with us here. What I'll also mention, coming up very soon, check your local listings, are the Hall of Fame Bites again. Aha, uh-huh, yes. It's WrestleMania season now. The March has started. So we'll be filling you in on those details. Check the Facebook group. Check Twitter. Hall yep. of Fame Bites coming out. In the meantime, reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. Leave us an iTunes review if you don't mind. Join the Facebook group for some fun discussion and if you want to donate go to patreon.com slash ovp podcast until next time we will see you monday march 12th for another episode i am joe Murata. that's michael quinn saying so long see ya thank you very much now i am here for one reason and one reason only there's a few things i need to say first of all right now the most important thing i want to say is guys this show really sucks. What? And what? aside what? from what? funny, the only two reasons why anybody watches this show, the rest of it is a scam and it sucks. And you know why? It starts right here with you, Michael Hayes. You see, this is not Doc Hendricks' kids at home. This is Michael P.S. Hayes. He used to be a legend in, in professional wrestling, the fabulous Freebirds, one of my idols growing up as a kid, Michael Hayes. What happened, Michael? You become now this, this walking billboard for the World Wrestling Federation. You become this cartoon character. Please tell me what, what what's going on. Let me explain something to you, real simple. Will you stop? stop, stop, stop.